Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi, Francis. Hi, David. Hi, everybody. <laughs> what a great topic. What a great topic we have for this weekend. Yeah, we were talking this morning. It's just so profound when you start to get to the core of um, placing the future in the hands of God, because we have to admit it, our programming has not been to place the future in the hands of God. Uh, that's not our education experience. That's not our experience that we learn from our parents. Uh, that's not the experience that we learn from society or the world. It seems like it's more, uh, you know, you have to aim for the future, aim for a better future and work hard and learn lots of things and prepare. And if you really do it right, you'll have a better future. And then Jesus comes along in his course and he says, be not content with future happiness, for it is not your just reward, for you have cause for freedom now. He flips it over and he says, the present moment is where we're going together. So we're not going into the future, or, or as the movie was, back to the future. We're not going back to the future. <laughs> and we're not going back to the past. So what a treat, Francis, to be able to be here with everyone and, and practically talk about this and go into our own experiences with placing the future in the hands of God. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like it's such a precious um, function we're given, you know, to, to kind of constantly be reminded by the Spirit and extend the Spirit's message of what truly is that can free us completely. And I think, um, you know, for a lot of us, myself included, we didn't really, um, at, at least for myself, I didn't really grow up putting God as my goal of this life. Like uh, that's what my life is about, is about God. And that's it, that's end of discussion. There's no question, but really it, it's kind of like, okay, I, deep down we are searching, you know, I was searching for, for happiness. I was searching for the kind of love that I, I can't even put my finger on. And yet the world that that is in front of me offered a lot of pathways toward that goal. The world offered everything seemingly. It says you, oh yeah, there are many, many pathways, but definitely is within this world. Let's find it. Let's find it through um getting yourself established let's find it through getting collect a lot of uh, approval and a lot of recognition let's get it from accumulate a lot of money so that you have the resource to buy whatever you want accumulate get more get more get more and uh, go wherever you want the world is your oyster you know collect collect pleasure collect stuff, collect experiences, that's where you find it. And wow, wow, what a, what a distraction, but what a, a realization when we reach the point to see that the world really only offer one option, no matter the form it takes. But that is 
according to Jesus, the beginning of finding the real alternative because all this world is offering is a delay and is a distraction and is saying, you know, everything you want is offered right here. If this one doesn't work, let's go for the next one. And, you know, here we are in <laughs> together from all over the world. We're here coming together to say, well, I think I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I think the world seems to offer many, many options. And and then the world, the ego teaches us, well, yeah, there's many options, but if you have money and resources and friends and friends in the right places and connections in the right places, oh, the ego says there's even more options. You'll have more options <laughs> if you have money and, and friends in the right places. And it tries to lure us into thinking that our salvation can be found in some outcome of the world. And, uh, and all of it's based on perpetuating the belief in linear time. That's at the bottom of it all. You know, when people say, what's, what's underneath this whole world? Uh, I showed a movie uh, a number of times. It's in our Movie Watcher's Guide to Enlightenment called Dark City, in which uh, the main character starts to people are falling asleep and he starts to go into the underworld, the subconscious, and all there is is a giant face down there. And finally, when the face opens up, it's, it's a clock. <laughs> it's time. Linear time was invented by the ego to block us from remembering eternity. So it's, it's not just the specifics of what's going right or wrong in terms of the world or world events, but it's actually the very core, the very fabric of what we believe as linear time was invented by the ego to keep us from knowing eternity. And, and Jesus does say, he says, time and eternity conflict in your mind. You can't really know both. It's really one or the other. He's saying eternity is true and linear time is false. And yet, if we're honest, we see that everything we believe about everything, our bodies, the environment, our families, our friends, our, our occupations, our ambitions, our future goals, our imagination, it's all based on linear time. And the funny thing was, I, I just asked Jesus, is there as we talk about placing the future in the hands of God, is there, is there any kind of a passage from the course or, or the workbook that would be helpful to kind of reorient ourselves to see how important it is to place our future in the hands of God, to let go of trying to plan and control the future and, and to give it over to God. And he took me all the way back to lesson number eight, uh, he, he basically says in lesson number eight, no one really sees anything. He sees only his thoughts projected outward. The mind's preoccupation with the past is the cause of the misconception about time from which your seeing suffers. 
Your mind cannot grasp the present, which is the only time there is. It therefore cannot understand time and cannot, in fact, understand anything. The one holy truth thought one can hold about the past is that it is not there. To think about it at all is therefore to think about illusions. Very few have realized what is actually entailed in picturing the past or in anticipating the future. The mind is actually blank when it does this because it is not really thinking about anything. So with that little send off from Jesus, it's like when we think, we're thinking about the logistics, about our food, our clothing, our family, our friends, what we're going to do today. Does anybody here ever, have you ever made a to-do list for what you're going to do? Jesus is laughing because the to-do list is part of the defense against the holy instant. The to-do list is part of a defense against eternity. If we're perfect right now, which Jesus assures us we are, then he's saying, whenever you originate a plan based on something you value in the world, achieving something, accomplishing something, um, being successful at something, a skill, an ability, uh, uh, any kind of uh, worldly achievement, he's basically saying you're defending against the awareness that you're perfect right now. So Francis and I were talking this morning and we said, yeah, well, yeah, that is the, the bottom line. Um, we both went through our educations and we both went through 10 or more years of, of university. Uh, we were bent on careers, on, on finding the right relationship, on getting settled settled down and, and getting accomplished, like Francis was talking about, we were doing what the world told us to do, to be happy. And then at some point the wheels come off, uh, where you, you're frustrated, you're disillusioned, you're, you're singing that Peggy Lee song, is that all there is? Is that all there is? <laughs> you, know? you feel unfulfillment, you feel there's got to be more, you feel, something's not right. Why are other people so happy and I'm not, you know? And thus begins a, a sense of disillusionment. For some people it's sadness, it's depression. For others it's fresh frustration, anxiety. This is the human condition. It's the belief in nothing. Like Shakespeare called it, much ado about nothing. It's the belief that the world is much ado about something and you have to achieve something in order to be worthy, in order to be successful, in order to be valued, you have to achieve something, but it's all part of a hamster wheel of time that's designed to keep us from knowing who we are right in this moment. So we're gonna have fun this weekend because Francis and I have been through this. We went through the, the unfulfillment, we went through the disillusionment. Uh, Francis, I, I know you, you did diet regimens, you know, you, you really put yourself into some pretty strong disciplines, going to Vipassana retreats, diet regimens, you know, you really, business, business owner, successful business owner, you had two houses, a husband, you had what the world calls, you had uh, the, the good life, in quotes, and then that wasn't enough, it wasn't even nearly enough, <laughs> so... 
that that's when you start to realize, uh-oh, something is fishy, something is sneaky about this world when you do all the things that you're supposed to do to be happy, and you're still not happy. <laughs> that's when you start to go, hmm, something's something's fishy. That's exactly it. That, that's the moment. I, I know that, you know, like the, my mindset was so sad on what, you know, the world have laid out, like reach this point, you will be happy. Reach this point is multiple. You have to have the best relationship. You have to have money, investment, assets, and recognition, success, career. It's all have to be met. Then I'm like, okay, all of them, you know, and they're well underway towards, you know, I thought, why is, at one point I really felt why is happiness seeming, seemingly going further and further away from my life, further and further away. That's something really like exactly what you said, David, something started to, to feel, oh, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I remember I just really paused just in my mind and ask this question, what is going on? What is that is missing in my life? Because nothing is missing in form. Why am I not happy? And that is a, a, like a very significant question for me because I think that was the first time I didn't have an answer in my mind. And it was a complete blank. I couldn't generate an answer for myself. And then what happened was um, I was asking whether I'm to stay in Australia where I was living at the time or go back to have a change of scene, change everything, change a career again. And then this voice came to me and said, stay, there is something big waiting for you. You need to be, be waiting here. And that voice was like, this was the miracle, the first time I thought um, something happened to me that violates all the laws of this world, basically. It, but it was so assuring and so right. I had no experience of fear and freaking out. I was just, oh, okay, I will trust that. And I will wait here for my next step. And, but this is what, is happening to myself and to I, I perceive in everybody's life is that once we stop even just for a brief moment of investing and be so certain about what the ego has to offer what this world has to offer even just a, a moment a miracle comes in a miracle that violates all the laws of the, this world comes in to show us there's something else that is right here, that's right here with us, you know? And that is really what, what I think the, the goal of um, unwavering pursuing the goals of the world suddenly started to get shattered. And I, I think it's a blessing in disguise, really when David and I were talking this morning about the disillusionment, that has to happen, that has to happen to, to stop ourselves from keep focused on, on the goals of this world. That disillusionment to, to start to see that something is not, is not really giving me what I want. 
and there is nothing that that is giving me what I want here is a, a true blessing because that's where we can start to allow some lights to come in. Yeah. Yeah. I remember in the Matrix movie, the first Matrix, when uh, Neo's just in his apartment and he's at his computer and he's scrolling along and everything. And uh, his friend Troy uh, comes, knocks on his door and Troy has his uh, girlfriend with him and she's got the, the little white rabbit tattoo on her uh, sh arm by her shoulder. And, um, and Troy basically says, hey man, I think it's, you need to be unplugged. Uh, you know, that's, that was really the spirit. That's, that's what Jesus and the Holy Spirit are saying to us. It doesn't matter whether we're seven years old, 17, 27, 47, 77, 97, that unplugged voice is in us because it knows we'll never be content with anything less than eternity. We were created by eternity. We were created for eternity. Jesus says in the Course that the, the natural environment of the Son of God is, is eternity, is, is heaven. And he says also, you won't be content unless you're in your natural environment. So he's actually telling us pretty straight on, he's basically saying, you are not going to find lasting happiness in time and space. You may try, but it's not your natural environment. You won't find consistent happiness. You may find some ups and downs, and you may try to train yourself that you're happy with certain outcomes. And then you might try to use comparison to say, I'm happier than other people. So that's not bad. <laughs> you know, it will try to use tricks of comparison and everything to try to convince you that you're, you sh you're happy enough with however, whatever level of happiness you have. And Jesus is basically saying, this isn't your home. I'm calling you out of the world. And Jesus came 2000 years ago to say, we have a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And that's where our, our, our creator is, our father, Abba Father. He said, our father in heaven, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer is basically telling us that, that God is our Father, our Creator, and we're only going to be holy and happy uh, in that creation, in remembering that creation. So this world is amnesia. It's, a, it's an invention of linear time made to take the place of eternity. And Jesus says that time and eternity will conflict in your mind until you you choose one, you accept one and deny the other. So, you know, I think everybody can relate to what Francis and I are talking about. It's just that it's so radical that uh, I know when the Course in Miracles came into my life when I was 20, 28 years old, um, at the time I was in university, uh, I, I just had, was trying to finish up my master's degree, but the course came during that summer when I went out to uh, La Jolla, California and San Diego and found it. And then when I started opening it, I could feel this joy in my heart, like, oh my God, this is it. This is, this is it for me. This is really giving me my direction now. And the ego was, 
was freaked out. It was saying, listen, you're, you've been disillusioned. Things are going to get better. You'll get more successful. You're only 28. The ego was saying, you know, you've been disillusioned. You can't be disillusioned now. You're 28 years old. It's okay to be disillusioned when you're a teenager. But you better not be disillusioned when you're 28 years old, because that's not the time. You need to be striving. You need to be building a life for yourself. You need to be settling down. You need to be getting getting into your life's vocation and in terms of the world. And, and the Holy Spirit was saying, let it all go. Give it to me and trust me. I will take care of what seems to be your future. I will take care of your needs. I will take care of your mind, your emotions. I will give you instructions. I will give you directions. But there's a time where the, you know, the ego has said, that's insane. You're, you're just going insane. You cannot unplug at 28 years old. You know, wait till you're 65 and retire and, and, and maybe unplug then, but not when you're 28. Don't be ridiculous. You're going to die homeless on the side of a street by a gutter <laughs> if, you, if you abandon me now at 28. So, but the thing about it is I felt more and more joy the more I would pray, the more I would meditate, the more I would surrender my future, surrender my ambitions, su surrender my, my goals. And I did read in the course at the beginning, I'm sure when I popped it open as an oracle, Jesus said, you may have noticed how extremely different the goal of this course is from the goals of the world. And I was like, yeah, right. It's, it's completely different. It doesn't mesh with the goals of the world at all. <laughs> it's, it's like a version of I'm calling you out of the world in a rapid way. I'm going to give you the methodology. I'll give you the practice instructions. I'll, I'll guide you. I'll lead you. I'll be with you every step of the way. But you are literally abandoning the world. You are literally rejecting the, the idea that the future holds happiness. And you are trusting I will help you settle in to the present moment, like all the great mystics and saints have always said. Find the present. Be present and you'll be happy. That's not a new message. <laughs> that's, that's throughout all the mystics and saints throughout all the ages. So that's what we're going to do this weekend uh, is really talk about how this has happened in our life. Because when we, when we went for it, the ego did throw a lot of objections. Let me tell you, the ego threw nonstop objections to a present goal of happiness. Yeah. I mean, this is truly really relevant to our topic this weekend. The goal, the goal determines what we're looking for, you know, with the, the ego's goal, no matter what it looks like, really underneath it is saying um, it's a time goal, it's in the future. I can't provide you anything now, but it, it's in the future. And the goal of the ego is let's find it here. Underneath everything, it's, that's what the ego is saying, let's find it here. And the goal of the course is saying, leave the world. 
you cannot find it here. That's why Jesus said, I'm calling you out of the world because there is a happiness, there is a joy, but it's not in this world. And if we want happiness and want joy, we have to go where it is. So that's really the way I see it is the difficulty seemingly on this path is the ego throw, you know, throw out these distractions along the way. And in always form to say that, oh, you're, you know, there is something here. There is something here. There is something here. For example, once we start to set the foot toward, okay, we're going to trust the miracles. And we're going to trust, you know, there is something else beyond the goals of this world. We're going to set our foot toward that direction. The ego would throw up. No, you can't do that. You're letting people down. You're hurting other people. You are going to be seen as you're going to humiliate yourself. There is pride in this world that you have to maintain. There's relationships in this world and, and other people's feelings you have to please. It's like this, this is the kind of things that we can expect on this path because the ego is constantly saying you can't go there. But what I have found out is that leaving behind a lot of the, the goals in the world looks a certain way at certain times of my journey. At the beginning, it seems like taking huge steps to leave behind my own established little construct, family or um, country or business. But as we continue on this journey, um, I realize the world is my mind because the construct of the world is the thought that everybody is facing still. The competition thoughts, the wanting recognition thought, the pride, the pleasure is coming up in thought forms. That's why it's not the seeking is not in the future anymore. It, leaving the world behind is a present is a present assignment. Every single moment, there is a choice between all the thinkings of this world and the miracle. That's why miracles become the present, the present goal. To, to, to choose for a miracle is choosing for forgiveness. And that is forgiving every thought that the world wants to teach us. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. If we, if we look at the, the lives of the mystics and the saints, you know, a modern day American mystic was Peace Pilgrim who, who when her hair turned silver and white, she just put on a little tunic and started walking around the United States and Canada. And she just walked and walked and walked and walked. And someone asked her one time, what about shelter? What about, uh, food and th basic things like that. And, and uh, what do you enjoy the most? She said, well, I enjoy the most when I lay back at night and, and put my head hands behind my head and I look up at the stars and I sleep under the stars. <laughs> she wasn't talking about a home. 
she was walking around trusting that food would be given to her, that she would speak whatever the truth would speak through her. And she loved to lean back and put her hands under her head and look up at the stars and sleep at night. St. Francis, very famous saint from Assisi in Italy, you know, he said, look at the, the lilies of the field and, and look at the small little birds. I mean, St. Francis loved the birds and the flowers because he saw how happy the birds were. They were sing, sing, singing all day long, and they would have a little drop of water occasionally, or maybe a seed every once in a while, and they would just sing their happy song all day long. And he thought, I want to be like that bird. <laughs> That's what I want. I want to follow Jesus so I can be like a bird. And Jesus talked about, look at the birds of the air, look at the look at the lilies of the field. He was taking us to the kingdom of heaven, to simplicity. Now we come forward to A Course in Miracles. I really enjoy uh, reading Carol Howe's book about uh, Bill Thetford because um, through psychic readings and past life uh, transmissions and things that Jesus told them, basically Jesus said that Bill had been on a goal for God for many, many centuries, and even took him back to uh, centuries where he spoke up the truth and he was killed for speaking it up, you know, way back many centuries ago. But in this lifetime, where Bill was a, an eminent uh, psychologist, basically, I loved hearing about him through, through Carol Howe, because she basically said he he, when he lived in New York City and he was helping Helen Shuckman bring the Course of Miracles into the world, he would eat for sometimes months or years at the same restaurant and ordered the same meal over and over and over and over. And people thought that was kind of quirky and kind of weird. And he said, it's easy. He, he didn't have to think about riding subways or going places, he would just go into the same little diner and order the same meal day after day after every time he would go out to eat, he would go to the same diner and he would order the same meal. Uh, he, he was so simple that when he finally retired, took early retirement at 55 years old and he moved out to Northern California, there's one thing he didn't do is he didn't apply for his retirement benefits. <laughs> you know, you would think for as a human being that that once you reach your retirement stage, you would just fill out the papers so you could receive it. He had a little bit of savings, but it wasn't until his friends, a few years after he was out in, in the San Francisco area, realized that Bill had never applied for his retirement benefits. <laughs> He was so clueless. He was so devoted to God and practicing the course that he neglected to apply for his retirement benefits. So a few of his friends got together and said, let's do it for him. Let's, let's fill out the papers for him and let him sign it. You see, now that's, that's the co-scribe, that's the, the collaborator who brought the course. He, he was for many, many lifetimes, he was so devoted to seeking God in the present moment that he was a little bit like Mr. Magoo or Chauncey Gardner. Uh, he, was, he, he was a great psychologist. He worked on 
an amazing um, personality test that was became maybe the best personality predictor test in the world as a psychologist. He was very brilliant, but underneath it, he wanted simplicity, he wanted peace of mind, and Jesus gave him a course in miracles. Bill was one of the first two students on the planet that got a course in miracles. And to his credit, he didn't just read it. He practiced it so diligently that when it came time to lay his body aside, he did it on the 4th of July on his birthday. He laid his body aside on his birthday and missed his own celebration in form. He was there in spirit, but it was his dedication to follow the spirit. His, his, his one goal was, was fulfilled. And then he laid the body aside because it no longer had any purpose. He also laid aside linear time. He laid aside all his pursuits and he learned how to, he just was dancing near the end of his life. He was laughing near the end of his life. And he was happy, literally bursting with happiness. Literally his heart, they said, exploded. And he died instantly before the body even hit the pavement of the sidewalk. The neighbor who's a cardiologist saw him and told Judy, Judy Sketch Whitson, he was dead before he hit the pavement. Uh, it, it was in an instant. You know, what a symbol of no suffering, just boom, <laughs> just boom, it's over. Now, that's an inspiration for me and for all of us because the purpose is, is to remember God. That has always been our goal even though we let the ego bring in a bunch of other pseudo goals, time goals, I'll call them, that's not where God is found. God didn't, God didn't create time, God doesn't know of time, and, and you can't remember God and retain time. You have to let go of time. We all love those timeless moments when we're just so happy, we feel happy for no earthly reason. We're so grateful when we're happy for no earthly reason, because it's an intrinsic happiness. It's coming from the core of our being. And we know that that's the real happiness. This is not a circumstance-dependent happiness. So I think the main thing is to, to share our experiences of what a joyful life this is to follow this present goal. What a joyful life this is to follow this guidance. It takes you to heights of happiness that you couldn't have even imagined. But it does come from a decision in your mind to just say, I'm going to follow my inner wisdom, I'm going to follow my intuition, I'm going to follow the spirit. And I'm going to follow it with such dedication that I'm going to let miracles lead the way. I'm going to let miracles show me that whatever I believed I needed was provided. Francis, I always like your story where you were saying you wanted to be happy, but you, the motive behind you working so hard was so you could work for so many decades, build such a good savings investment portfolio or whatever that you had it made. You literally achieved what the world would call financial independence, okay? And then, why the financial independence is because you wanted to travel the world. That's 
you wanted to really travel the world and see the world. The only thing was, it was a little bit reverse order. <laughs> you always say, when you gave your life over to spirit, the spirit flipped the whole thing and threw it from a future goal into a present uh, experience. Yeah. Yeah, what happened was the spirit is actually saying, you know, your function and, and your happiness is one and, and spirit actually took me on world travels multiple times every single year around the world over and over and over for 10 years the past, until the pandemic. But it was nonstop traveling. I thought, whoa, this is not something I expected because if it is according to my plan, it takes a lot to do that. It takes a lot of resource. It takes a lot of resource to do that. But to the spirit, it's not coming from that place. It's coming from joy. It's coming from a function that God has given. How can we not be able to fulfill God's function? You know, that's insane to even think God set up a function for our forgiveness and for our um, revelation that we can't fulfill. That is insane. It, it's, this is truly what, what his experience is like from the very beginning. You know, when I asked a question, an answer came from the sky, from within and without at the same time. Then I thought, I'm going to follow that. I'm going to follow that. I don't know where it's coming from, but I trust that and I'm going to follow that. And that is every single time when you, when when you jump into that kind of trust and that follow the second time i heard that voice was when i was in a retreat with david it was years later after i heard the first voice the second one was i met david i was in a retreat i was pouring out my doubt thoughts so many doubt thoughts to david and david was answering them with a lot of patience and i heard this voice again trust him trust him he's living representation of me and i thought it, the voice came from david because it's a male voice but he was talking he was talking at the same time about plans and different things and i was like having this moment of what is happening what is going on but this this is like a two moments were really valid the way as i see about the laws of this world, but then this trust was okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust this and see what where it leads. And it's just um, yeah, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Even now, every single day, it's the same kind of trust. Where if I just let the miracle lead the way, Jesus says. In no situation, there is no situation where miracles do not apply, meaning that all the situations of the day, all the situations in my life, I can ask for miracle in absolutely all of them. And if I let that be my only goal to lead my way, then I'm led by something that's beyond this world. And that was, you know, it's it truly provides such deep happiness. That's why I can join David in saying how blessed are we that the key of happiness is in our hands now. And it's not through effort, it's not through achieving, but it's through just simple asking. 
ask over and over again. That was truly my experience. Even from the most oblivious time where I had no idea of the course, I asked, I was guided. Ask, and that's the way that you know spirit works. You do not need to achieve anything. You do not need to accumulate anything. You ask, I provide. You ask, I give. And you give, you, you follow. Jesus says in the course that some to, to, to that to something to that extent that the Holy Spirit's eagerness to give you the real world is, is so intense that he cannot wait, but he is waiting in, in patience. <laughs> and I love that. He cannot wait, but, and yet he waits in patience. He's waiting for us to say yes. The tiny little bit of willingness to say yes. He rushes in to give everything, everything. He says, you know, you, he does not need your help to fulfill this plan but he doesn't need you to fulfill your part. It's his plan, it's his plan. This plan is his plan. It's not, it's not something we have to grasp. We have to allow ourselves to really sit back and say, okay, you give me the plan. I am here to listen. I am here to say yes, I'm here to follow. I'm just gonna ask and listen and follow. Let it be given. I know that that one thought that crosses the, the minds of many is, is, can I really do this? Or am I ready for this? And Jesus assures us, he says, you are ready. And I will perform miracles through you. So it's like taking, taking the responsibility off he may call you a miracle worker, but he says, if you're just ready and willing, I'll do it through you. So you don't even have to do the miracles. <laughs> I'll, I'll perform the miracles through you if you're just a little willing and, and ready. The readiness part is, is a thing for a lot of people where it's you hear the, the words and you say, okay, the present moment, the holy instant is the goal. Uh, Jesus even has a section in his text that says, it's titled, I Need Do Nothing. And you may reach that point in reading the text, and you may read the words, I need do nothing. And you may hear a voice in your mind go, right, right. That's, that, that's brilliant, Jesus. That's just brilliant. I need do nothing. <laughs> you know, it may be a sarcastic voice. It's like, come on, who do you think I am? I am not, I wasn't born like Siddhartha. They said when Siddhartha was born as a little boy, as a little toddler, when he walked, where his little tiny toddler feet landed, lotus petals appeared on the ground. <laughs> I think for most of us, we did not have that experience when we were toddlers. <laughs> lotus, lotus petals appearing everywhere we stepped. But what Jesus is saying is, regardless of what you seem to think, say, or do in time and space, it's no accident that I'm calling you. It's no accident, it's, it's scripted. You are being called because you are ready. 
you can listen to my instructions and you can allow the miracles to come through your mind. You don't, you're not responsible for generating them, you're just responsible for allowing them to come through you. He said, you know, in the one part of the course in the text, he says, you may think of how difficult it is to have miracles come through you, but remember it is Christ who will do it through you. Christ, Christ does it through you. It's not the personality self that generates the miracles, it's, it's the Christ mind doing it through your mind, which is just an open, willing vessel, even just for an instant. You can't do miracles in a state of fear, but even for an instant, if you're, if you're calm and still and fearless, the miracles will come through very naturally. And I, of course, I had to go through those reactions myself. What, did me? Why me? Can't, are, are you sure you're picking me? You know, we all have those reactions. And, and Jesus said, no, yes, I don't make mistakes. Uh, the, there are no mistakes. You are ready. And even though you, you didn't plan on being a miracle worker, I will do many miracles through you. And it's just a way of a different way of looking at the world. It's not like you're going to have to part the Red Sea or like Bruce Almighty part the tomato soup in the diner. It's like, no, no, no. But this will require you to listen to your intuition to the Holy Spirit and to, and to follow. And then once you start to, to move in that direction, you actually feel it happening. You, you start to feel lighter. You start to feel it feels more surreal. Like you, you wake up in the morning and you don't know what the day will hold specifically, but you know there's going to be miracles. Uh, recently, I, I came, um, before the, the war in Ukraine started, before the price of gas started rising and rising and rising, uh, one day I had a prompt and it was to drive to Salt Lake City to go to a dealership that had an electric vehicle. I've never had a prompt like that in my life. And then I just went there to have a holy encounter and maybe look at something or test drive something, but ended up the spirit orchestrated getting an electric vehicle. Then, um, the, then there's the, the Ukraine war, then the price of gas goes up, then, uh, Spava even showed me a snippet of the President of the United States saying in a speech, buy electric vehicles. <laughs> and I thought, this is surreal. It, I had no clue of anything like this. I just was like, I got the prompt in the morning, I went in, and before you know it, I, I had a, an all-electric <laughs> vehicle. And the President of the United States is saying, buy electric vehicles. I was like, you see, it's, it's not in my control. You know, I'm just like observing, enjoying the holy encounters. The, the car salesman who greeted me, his name was David. <laughs> Jesus always plays around with the characters, you know, and I, I'm like winking. He's like winking at me like, did you see that? Wasn't that a nice touch? David was the sales, the salesperson. I'm like, yeah, that's a nice touch. That was sweet. And and you start to see all these things that happen, but they're out of pattern experiences. They're not premeditated. They're not thinking what I should do for the benefit of a personality self. They're, they're just given and, and you can enjoy them. And 
actually that's that's one of the things that Francis and I like to talk about that there's been so many miracles Francis was saying like even over the last 10 10 years or 12 12 years it's so packed full of daily miracles that is convincing initially of course when you start to go in this direction the ego will throw up many objections many objections it will say are you a fool where, of course, this is April Fool's Day, but I assure you, the Holy Spirit is not playing an April Fool's joke on you when you are called back to heaven. This is far from April Fool's. He's saying, well, the ego is quite a fool, and people who start to follow my guidance feel sometimes quite foolish at the beginning because their past conditioning is hammering them, <laughs> harshly hammering them. You are, what are you, ridiculous? You're throwing your whole life away for God? For the great question mark, the ego says. The ego won't even admit that there is a God. Or if it has to admit to you that there is a God, it's a punishing God. <laughs> you see, it throws a fake God in there. If you don't believe in God, here, try this one, a fake one. A punishing God. So it'll send you to hell. You see how the ego... It's got to throw something in there to stop you from, from following your, your heart, from following your core. So it's, it's pretty interesting. The more you go into this, you start to, we need each other to, to reflect the miracles. We need, we're supporting one another. We're mighty companions to one another. We're witnessing to one another the miracle and that, that God is helping us uh, the Holy Spirit, like Francis said, is, has, is a burning, intense calling to wake us up. <laughs> and what we have to do is join our little willingness with this burning, intense calling to wake us up. And that ignites the whole thing. That's what, that's what sends the whole thing off into an actual experience. Well, actually, these Fridays, we love these opening sessions because we get to hear from you. We, we get to hear from you. We read your prayers that you send in to us. We read your questions that you send in. And, but most of all, I think we mostly enjoy the interactions that we can have here uh, through Zoom. Because this is your time to really share the prayer of your heart, you know, this, this is the time to speak up what it is that that is burning inside your heart. Even if you're going through frustration or devastation, if you feel like the world is your world is falling apart, the, the personal construct seems to be falling apart and it's cracking, that this is the time to just say, it's okay, I'm, I'm not going to hide what I'm experiencing because I know the Spirit can use whatever I'm going through now as part of a, a wake-up, as part of a forgiveness, as part of a miracle. So what do you think, Francis? Shall we uh, <laughs> go to the gallery? <laughs> yeah, and also we have um, a lot of new participants who are here for the very first time. So if you want to say hi and share with us your prayer of the heart, um, that also would be great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking down at my sheet. I see Megan, 
Jones from France. I see Robert from the Netherlands is new. Tone from Norway and and Haisu uh, Kim from South Korea. Aurelis Hernandez in the United States from different countries. I believe we have about 15 new people who are just introducing themselves to us all <laughs> today from around the globe. They've been called to be here with us. So if any of you, uh, the 15 new ones would like to uh, to introduce yourself too, that's a, this is a perfect time to do it. Yeah, Netherlands, Germany, yeah, please do. <laughs> Okay, well, we have we have the hands going up. Francis, shall we just go in the order that they show up here? Yeah, yeah. We can start with Andrea. Hi. I just, I'm just like leaping. I don't know. My heart's beating. So I was like, okay. Um, as I was listening, I just was having like, I was like super blown away. Like I felt some like in that moment, like dismantling of the whole operating system, you know? And like, and what kind of flashed before my eyes was just like this idea of the distractions and how time is created. And then I just like could feel how deeply that guilt is a distraction. It's just like this amazing distraction. And I take it so seriously. I just go, it just grabs me and just, I go like the whole distance with it. And I just for a moment, like a couple of moments could feel like I could see through it. Like I was just like, oh, even my question for this weekend was about like guilt and shame and like the self-concept. And I just could see through it. And I just felt such relief just in this moment while I'm listening. And like this lightness and like almost this like, like laughing and everything happened. But then like I could feel like a new wave of fear come in like, and I was just like, oh, I'm taking it seriously again. But I guess maybe my question is like, I don't know, I find fear very painful. So like, what do you, like, there's the pain, like maybe you could just speak to what you do in that moment where like, there's pain, you know, like, and I could feel like, there's another way I could just feel it open right in front of me and I was like I'm pretty psyched about it I mean I'm psyched I feel like this is uh yeah this is such good news you know but I guess like I'm afraid of the fear coming back and there it is it comes back it just you know it's just like this is the project so maybe I don't know you could speak to this yeah that's beautiful. Thank you, Andrea. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, most human beings know that that the fear is not a, a, a welcome, a comfortable emotion at all. 
but um, how do you approach it? How do you deal with it? Uh, Jesus is telling us, you know, you, you cannot transcend fear by trying to master the fear, because if you try to master the fear, you're putting your attention on the fear. He basically tells us only mastery through love will work. And so if you're like me, you would have the question, wow, that sounds amazing, mastery through love. <laughs> I would love to uh, learn that, to be taken over by that. And that's where the miracle comes in. We have a function, a special function as miracle workers, where the Holy Spirit uses our skills and abilities that were developed by the ego for the purpose of unwinding us from time, unwinding us from our false personality self, false self-concept of the world, and taking us back into the light, into the holy instant, the present moment. But I think, Andrea, that you get that glimpse like you just had, but also the practicality is what Francis and I are always talking about is, is tuning into guidance because the Holy Spirit will use what the ego made to unwind you from what the ego made. The Holy Spirit will use time to release time, will use miracles to release your mind from holding on to a false self-concept image. And, and the fear will come up uh, into awareness, the darkness will arise, but, but you have a focus. You remember, you're here to be truly helpful. You're here to be an instrument for, for peace. You're here to be used by God. That's what the last 36 years have been for me. I, I can't say that I was really religious. Um, I really wasn't uh, religious uh, when I was in my teens or my, my 20s. Uh, I didn't have a, an or a strong orientation towards God. I had an orientation towards sports and um, studies in the university and, and other things, but definitely not God. And yet, as soon as I allowed myself to really surrender over and say, okay, use me, then that's when these last 36 years unfolded of speaking around the world in 44 countries and having thousands and tens of thousands of holy encounters uh, through prayer, through meditation, through meeting people. It, it was a, a world, a charmed life, so to speak, that I was not in charge of. It, it, it came to me and it came through me, but it definitely wasn't of David. It wasn't of David's making. It, David was being undone. <laughs> David wasn't being built up. <laughs> David was vanishing. David was disappearing. Uh, through the whole thing. I got happier and happier. And then, you know, somebody could say something. Uh, I think my friend Rich Lespiza, he he was at one of the gatherings and and somebody in the gathering said, looked at me and they and said, I don't, David, I don't think you're enlightened. And he's he said he just saw the big smile on my face through the whole thing. <laughs> and he said that was more convincing than anything else. Because I I didn't react to the words or whatever, because David is disappearing. There is no enlightened persons. This is just a state of mind. There aren't people that are enlightened. There's not really avatars, you know, and all this. There's a lot of uh, stuff that gets added in on the spiritual journey, but 
we're the same one. <laughs> we're all the same one. No one's ahead or behind. No one's special or different. No one's better or worse. We're all the same one. We always have been the same one. And that's all we're remembering is we're the same one. God created us the same as a, as the as spirit, as the Christ. For the Christ's sake, we're the Christ. <laughs> so, you know, you start to have fun with that. You start to go, oh, yeah, I like the feel of that. It's vast. It's joyful. It's happy. So thank you, Andrea. It's, right away, you went from writing your question in with fear and guilt, and then you just linked right in with with the vibe of what we were sharing. <laughs> and or right away, you could feel your, your, your mind expanding, your awareness expanding immediately. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Wow, I have a lot of hands, David. Yeah, I see. <laughs> Vera's up there. I see Vera. Oh, hello, Francis. Hello, David. Hi. Hi. Hi, my mind is companions, yeah. Oh, my heart is really bouncing. And uh, I signed up only five hours ago. Never didn't happen before. I was not sure to come in to attend this weekend because I'm really ego would say really strange state of being of mind at the moment it happened after i came back to germany i've been in mexico i attended a retreat a healing retreat later yes i can say it was pretty intense and deep but I had no clue at all what happened, so to say, when I came back to Germany. And uh, yes, literally, I have no words with this. It's beyond words. I, I'm, I need so much quiet time. I'm the whole time in silence. I don't want to meet people. I don't want to talk. And even what I normally I really appreciate to do um, expression session and I love it very much. But even this, I don't feel into at the moment to talk, even not to share with my companions. And uh, it's really strange and so new. Yeah, and I hear often the voice from the ego, all the object objections you, men you mentioned. You will be end all alone. You're sitting alone in your apartment, not having any contact. Yeah, and it feels really that my world is falling apart for me as the person, as the former marionette Vera. I don't know, it bothers me. And what the most concerned about um, is that I'm not, I don't feel happy. 
I don't feel happy. It's such a new state of mind, hard to describe and not to explain. Totally clueless. I, I, I feel, I see the go in the, really in the unknown, <laughs> but not, I don't feel, feel happy. I'm, I feel concerned about and yes, and I'm really glad that I took the opportunity to raise my hand, even when this was not so easy for me, especially this time in this situation, but I feel I need some help and some <laughs> statements on what you can will share with me and uh, perhaps it will give me a little hinder help to handle what I'm in and at at the moment. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Vera. Yeah. yeah, it's a big shift when when we've been so used to personally running the show, personally handling all the specifics, uh, personally taking the credit and blaming ourselves when we think go things go wrong. So we can see that our past reference point is has been everything is through the persona. It's it's through the mask. It's like we. We became so identified with the mask, so accustomed to the mask, so familiar with the mask that we forgot we were wearing a mask. And then suddenly the mask starts to crack and crumble. And it feels like the whole world is crumbling like Humpty Dumpty, like the fairy tale, like we're a big egg that we're cracking and we're falling off the wall. But in retrospect, you have these experiences where, where it's like, wow, I guess I needed to allow myself to fall apart, my mask to fall apart, before I could see what was beneath the mask. And you start to realize that you start to even feel gratitude for the ability to give yourself permission, your mind permission to dismantle. Whereas before it was always about building the mask or adding something to the mask, now it's it's subtraction. And Jesus just keeps reminding us, even when things seem to fall apart, this is all part of the healing. And, and I, I we need those pep talks, we need those reminders. Even when you don't want to talk to people, I've had lots of phases where I didn't want to talk to people. I would go out and live in the woods <laughs> to, to not have to talk to people. I would talk to the trees. I would talk to the rocks, but please, no people. Uh, and, and we have to be okay with that. Um, I, I recently, I was on uh, uh, one of the Netflix, either Netflix or Amazon, and I, I was surfing through the movies and and I saw this movie called Room Full of Nothing. And 
it was two people, it was a couple, a married couple who were always talking to each other how they hated people. <laughs> they both hated people. They One was an actor and he hated the critics and he hated the people. And then his wife was an artist, she hated the people. And then they were talking one day and um, they just said, we just can't stand living in a world with people. And the next day they woke up and all the people were gone. <laughs> all the people on earth were gone. It was just the two of them. <laughs> and it didn't take them long before they got on each other's nerves. <laughs> After the rest of the 7.8 billion were gone, <laughs> they, they quickly got to their grievances <laughs> with each other <laughs> because there wasn't anybody else to project on. But it's okay. I've gone through many times, Vera, too, where I felt the same thing. But you just have to say, wow, this is this must be helpful for my healing right now. And I have to allow myself that. Don't try to analyze it and label yourself as, an, as a hermit or as, as completely isolated. That's just more judgments. You don't have to throw heat judgments on top of what feels right for you right now. And just facing all the emotions, letting them up is is so beautiful beautiful. And what do you think, Francis? I mean, we I know you've had those times too, where it just everything seems to fall apart. And we have to we have to find the the core value that's in there, even when everything seems to be falling apart. Yeah. It's funny, you, you're talking about Humpty Dumpty. Yesterday, Lisa was talking to me about Humpty Dumpty can't put it back together. And we're happy that it can't be put back together. We just have to allowing, we have to allow things to, to fall apart because the ego's version of happiness is getting more and adding, it's always adding. And the spirit's version of happiness is, is simplicity and letting go of what is, hurting us. So I feel like, yeah, this phase you're going through and it's just allowing it to be, just allowing things to fall and knowing it's all okay. The spirit is is right there holding you in this in this process. But we have to just allow give ourselves the permission to let things be how they're supposed to be for now, for the healing journey. Yeah. Yeah. And don't judge yourself for not feeling happy because happiness is is our present goal and that is our inevitable um, destiny. And yet, Jesus tells us in the Course, we have to go through the darkness to the light. So the light is the happiness. But don't judge yourself for not being happy because you're moving through what you need to move through. You're moving through the veil of darkness or Jesus calls it in the Course, the ring of fear. We, When things start to fall apart and we can't seem to grab on or hold something in the world, that's when we, the fear comes up. But Jesus is saying, I got you. I'm here. I got you. I'm, I'm going to pull you right into this experience of, of, of heaven, but just let go. Let go and let me carry you, let me birth you into your true identity. So thank you for sharing everything that you were feeling just and having the courage to raise your hand and just pour your heart out with everybody because we all feel it. We've all 
We've all been through that. Yeah. Okay, I see Esther. Thank you so much. You know, the, um, the little speaker things that you've been putting out on Facebook, they've been so helpful, David. I, um, I listened to the one about time stack and it said that the grievances are in the mind first and then it's reflected outward. And I, I had heard it, I knew it, but I never experienced it that way. I always thought it was the reverse. And um, as I let the ideas be played within my mind, um, I, I started to experience the, the closeness with my mother I, without the grievances. And I'm just so grateful. And I have a question about a section in the course related to this. Um, the topic is the turbulence of others, um, but it, that's the way we, we put it. Um, you do not realize how much you have misused your brothers by seeing them as sources of ego support. As a result, they witness to the ego in your perception and seem to provide reasons for not letting it go. Yet they are far stronger and much more compelling witnesses for the Holy Spirit. And they support his strength. It is therefore your choice whether they support the ego or the Holy Spirit in you. And you will recognize which you have chosen by their reactions. My understanding is that if I choose the Holy Spirit in my mind, um, I will experience the peace regardless of their reactions because I see the innocence in myself and see the innocence in them. Um, and I just wanted to share that the first teaching that you ever gave me that the externals aren't causative. Um, I'm still working on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think when we talk about the reactions of others, or you talk about the reactions with yourself, it, it can be interpreted, when it's interpreted in terms of personalities and bodies, it doesn't make sense. When it's interpreted in terms of the mind, it, it, it makes perfect uh, sense and flows, because the mind is, is, contains everything. Uh, one time, my biological father, we were having dinner, and, and he hardly talked to me about the Course or metaphysics ever. He would never bring up these topics. And then I think we were having a turkey dinner. He was at the other end of the table, and he just, in the middle of his turkey, he said, where is the mind? <laughs> he just came right out with, where is the mind? But the mind isn't in a place, it's, it's not contained. In fact, Jesus is teaching us that it's all mind, that everything we perceive in the cosmos is, is our mind, and that there are really no others, and there is no, nothing outside of our mind. It's all mind. It's all a mind experience. If it's a sleeping mind, it's a fragmented experience. If it's a, a healed mind, it's a holistic experience. So uh, recently, uh, I was doing a movie. I was using Star Trek episodes, you might remember. And then when they had the experience in the first one, Waking Dreams, that it's all the same dream. 
I said, that's the key right there. It's not multiple dreams. First of all, the ego doesn't even want you to talk about dreaming except as, as something a body does at nighttime. But Jesus is saying, no, all your time is spent in dreaming. But what he's really trying to convince us through the mind training of the workbook is there's only one dream. There, there are not 7.8 billion different dreams going on simultaneously. It's actually just one dream. So that's what that passage refers to. And you will know it by the reactions of others. The more that you just totally sink into the present moment, you will start witnessing reflections of joy every direction that you look. And those are what he's talking about, the seeming others, the reactions of others. Because people have said, well, David, I've been practicing the course, but I haven't experienced joy. Uh, and, and I said, yeah, that's, you really have to be surrendered and merged with the Holy Spirit to, to experience consistent joy, where you have speckles and sprinkles of, of witnesses to joy around you. You know, you have to be so surrendered and aligned up with the Spirit to consistently inspire joy, not just in yourself as a person, but not just in others as others, but in a mind radiating that joy, that light, that's where the, the joy gets very intense, the glee. But that is a lot of devotion. Jesus is saying, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a devotion of mind training and, and you're doing it. You're, you're experiencing with your mother just in hearing the little snippet on, on Facebook or just reading a certain thing and then just fully merging into it, you get the immediate reflections of you feeling much closer to your mother without the preconceptions and the judgments. You know, it's like it's brand new. <laughs> like your relationship is brand new, born again. <laughs> so thank you. That's that's for all of us. Thank you. Yes. Okay, well, we've got a lot of hands going on here. Looks like Tabula Rasa Mystery School is lined up there. Ah, I see. Fabian. Yeah, Fabian. Uh, thank you for taking this question. Um, so I've been going through a lot of uh, uh, change in my mind, a lot of fear. And so this retreat is perfect for what I'm going through. Um, basically, um, the process of uh, surrendering and kind of letting go of the old uh, way of thinking. Now, um, there has been some... What happened? Okay, cool, sorry. Um, there's been some um, confusion also that arise, right? Uh, and one of these confusion uh, came from... Um, I don't know, I mean, a video from Ken Wapnick. So Ken Wapnick mention uh, there's a video on YouTube and you know I kind of like his teachings along with yours David um, but I wanted to quote it and ask if you could clarify maybe uh, interpret it through the Holy Spirit because when I listened to his speech my ego jumped in my ego came and I was like okay well um, 
this is completely, it, it, it was confusing for me. So let me read the quote and maybe you can explain it to me. It says, we are not asked to deny our experiences in this world. In fact, in chapter two, we are told that to deny our physical experiences here is a particularly inappropriate form of denial. Rather, we are asked to live normal lives like everyone else. Eat, drink, have sex, enjoy things in this world, have nice possessions. If that is what is meaningful to us, have jobs, have insurance policies, live like everyone else. The difference being that we want to see everything here as a, a, a classroom not because it is real but because it is it's a mean to have us remember what is real and then later he says again like same line um again the same around the same thing like we are asked to do what we are asked to do is to be faithful to our classrooms to be faithful to the various roles that we have from our birth up to the time that we die, role within our families, families of origin, families we establish later, circles of friends, circles of colleagues at work, all the different roles that we have, and to be faithful to them, not because they are real, not because they are important in and out, and in and of them themselves, but because they are the classrooms we have chosen. So when I saw that interview from Ken Wapnick, I was very confused because my ego jumped in and was like, wait, 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 okay. So <laughs> should I just go back to my old life and then, you know, just look at it differently? Or, or is it still better for me to go on with the, because I've, I have, I definitely have a calling, but yeah, uh, I just wanted to see if you could clarify and bring it through the uh, Holy Spirit, uh, uh, you know, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Fabian. Well, the, the Holy Spirit meets the mind where it believes it's at, and, and it's the same with, every mystic and saint in, in the world, you know, uh, St. Francis um, found himself uh, living in Assisi with his mom, his dad, going to the Catholic Church, and then he started to just go into a deeper experience with the Gospels when he went out into the fields, you know, when he was, came back from war, the war was his, uh, the Crusades was his big disillusionment, where here he really was like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm trying to be a Christian and I'm killing Muslims. He noticed there was a little contradiction <laughs> there to, to trying to be a Christian and, and killing Muslims in the crusade. But when he came home, he, he went out and he started to have mystical experiences. And he had to basically say goodbye to his French mother and to his business-oriented father. And the thing about classrooms is what Jesus is teaching us in the course, he doesn't use that word specifically, but what he is teaching us is that every experience is in your mind. So you don't have many different classrooms, it's one dream. 
it's one mind. Uh, you don't have uh, job classrooms and relationship classrooms and family classrooms. This was an intellectual distortion of the teachings because the kingdom of heaven is our, is our destiny, and that's pure light. And all the seeming roles and concepts that we hold in this world, as I read in, in workbook lesson number eight, they're all part of linear time. They all have to be learned. Every mystic and saint throughout the ages have said, empty your mind of all the thoughts you think, everything you believe you know. Buddha taught it. Jesus taught it. Ramana Maharshi taught it. All the mystics and saints teach the same thing. But as you go deeper, that is a mysticism. Um, you know, you certainly Jesus wasn't normal. Buddha wasn't normal. St. Francis wasn't normal. None of them could rank on the normal chart <laughs> because they were so godly that they were pointing the way beyond this world, past, past the veil. So, I mean, I, I actually, Ken was a good friend of mine. I actually spent, had a number of visits up there, but frankly, Ken actually was, was afraid of me. He, he was extremely afraid of me because the joy and the certainty and the effervescence was, was there. And, and I had let go in my mind of, of trying to hold on and play the roles. And I said to Jesus, you give me the roles. Uh, you give me the roles. Let the Holy Spirit give me the roles. Actually, that had me traveling around to 44 countries and a shy guy speaking about God around the world for years and years and years and years. That's not David's plan at all. <laughs> that had nothing to do with David's roles from birth because it, it was totally out of pattern. So basically, there's a lot of good teachings with Ken, but when Ken got into level confusion, when Ken got into talking about the world as the classrooms and separate classrooms, be normal, uh, when Ken was, was talking about, uh, you know, different things, like he would say, there's two Jesuses, you might have heard, Jesus of the Bible and Jesus of the Course. No, actually, there's only one. <laughs> and there's not only only one Jesus, there's only one dream. And every time you attempt to fragment it and cling to the pieces, you still are defending against the holy instant. You're defending against mysticism. A good example would be uh, like Gandhi. I was so touched by Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi's life, but I always tell the story when, when uh, he was being interviewed by a, a journalist, an American journalist in South Africa, and the journalist, his name was Walker, said to Gandhi, Mr. Gandhi, you're, you know, you're, you're quite religious. And, and, um, and he said, uh, but it seems like um, you're a saint trying to become a politician. I think another, another journalist had interviewed him and he said, no, I'm a, I'm a politician trying to become a saint. <laughs> he, Gandhi corrected him. Why would Gandhi's make that correction is because Gandhi knew he still believed in politics. He still believed in the British. He was still a political activist who was trying to practice nonviolence and peace of mind. But in India, what was Ramana Maharshi teaching? There's nothing outside of you. <laughs> there is no India and Britain. 
What was Paramahansa Yogananda teaching? You know, there's a lot of mystics that were going into deep mystical states of transcending the veil. And these are mystics that have gone very, very deeply. So the more you really get the context of how deep this goes, you will see, in fact, um, there was a movie that, that uh, they made about uh, Ram Ramana Maharshi. They didn't mention him by that name, but it was a movie called Razor's Edge. It was made in 1946 about a man dismantling from his relationship, his fiance, dismantling from pursuing everything in the world and going to India to sit in the presence of Ramana Maharshi. It was called uh, Razor's Edge. And Bill Murray was part of the remake of that, that same movie. It was made twice, an old version, 1946, and a modern day version. So when you go with the course, you're going into a very deep journey. But uh, yeah, I, I spent hours and hours with Ken and going through all the things. And But Jesus was my teacher. Jesus was calling me deeper and deeper and deeper into an experience of joy and happiness and really transcending the world. Uh, you know, it's kind of like there's a ladder of awakening and you and there's different helpers along every step of the way. And Ken is one of those helpers along the way. <laughs> but as you go much deeper, you have experiences that go way beyond this idea of separate roles. The whole goal is to have the mind unified, to have integrity. And um, I remember, you know, times when I would go up there to Roscoe and just kind of appear there. And Ken, Ken would be like, oh, and, and he had a lot of fear around me, but that was okay. I didn't take it personally because I was in an experience. You know, I was connecting with translators from all over the world there and, and just in a, in a blissful state. Sometimes he would call it a bliss ninny. I just would smile and laugh and go, yeah, well, the bliss is not, I don't think it's a ninny. <laughs> it's actually quite, uh, quite gleeful and joyful, but it's very transcendent. So, yeah, you're, you've come down to the mystery school to unwind, and the ego will even use Course in Miracles interpretations and teachers to try to stop you from your goal. In the end, you know, at the beginning, I thought, I love the Course. And the ego said, yeah, why don't you have as many Course in Miracles friends as you can get around the world? And I oh, that sounds like fun. But in the end, even friendships have to give way, personal friendships, interpersonal friendships have to give way to the transcendent state of mind that sees it's all the same. So even those kind of concepts, uh, you know, the ego was heartbroken, you, you know, don't get, don't get too radical into this present moment stuff, otherwise you'll lose your course friends. <laughs> and, and I was like, no, actually, I, I think Jesus wants me to get <laughs> focused on the present moment and let go of everything else, uh, even personalities, even friendships. And that's, that's uh, in Lesson 76, uh, I am under no love, but, but God's... Uh, Basically, Jesus actually throws that in there. He says, you believe in the laws of friendships. He even, even says it in the course that, you, that that's part of the ego's tricks. Even friendships. When you read that in Lesson 76, you're like, whoa, 
this is this is letting go of the world. This is letting go of every single concept of the world, bar none. So thank you for bringing that up, though. That's that's a beautiful question. It's actually for everyone. Okay, we have Megan next. Oh, she's new from France. We're just seeing the photo, though. There we go. There's Megan. <laughs> Happy to see you. So um, I'm actually in, in Pakistan right now in a hotel room. I've been kind of following that inner voice. Um, I had like my my life kind of all set up. I thought I was like just about to take the next step and being even more settled and, you know, things just went a different way. And I've been feeling like really distrustful of the course. The person who introduced me to it kind of left my life in a really painful way. And, um, you know, I've just been been afraid to take the leap. And then I nearly went to the retreat in Spain, but, you know, I'm in Pakistan, so here I am. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's like a journey of expanding faith. So Jesus does talk about this in the Course. It's almost like he's preparing us for what we're going to face. He says, doubt along the way will come and go and go to come again, yet is the ending certain? You know, he's just like, oh, he's cheering us on. He's, he's always coming through with that pep talk. He's always coming through with that reminder. He's always reminding us how much God loves us so much and that everything that we're experiencing in perception is part of the unwinding and undoing. And we are tempted to interpret things in a very dark way uh, from the past. Uh, everyone's past has a lot of darkness in it. And everyone has tried to build a self-concept to, to defend against that darkness, you know, to, to stabilize things. Uh, I did it, you did it, we all did it. Uh, I, I used education. I was in university for 10 years. Francis was in university for 10, 12, 12 years. Um, we've tried to use interpersonal relationships to guard against that darkness. We've tried to hunker down in various locations. I mean, I tried to live in the woods like the old mystics and just eat uh, bread and water was my diet. And when I first went to the woods back around 1987 and, and I changed my diet to bread and water, oh, oh, did the ego have a fit. It had an absolute freaking fit when I was just having bread and water at the time because when I would go to a grocery store, my eyes would bugger out and my mouth would open and I would be walking through grocery stores <laughs> fantasizing what I would buy. But the thing is, is as we get more into the miracles, we just follow what you like you're doing, follow the prompts and hold steadfast in the faith, our interpretations shift and, and a, 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 we're moving towards a, a, a non-judgmental and acceptance state of mind where we are untouched by the appearances of the world. But it takes a lot of mind training. The Course is just one path of, of thousands that are part of unwinding from the ego. 
it's a very direct path. So most times people have huge resistances to it. Um, when I first came into it, um, I think Francis, you were the one, you said something like, uh, David, you already knew the course before you picked up the book. <laughs> She's, she was very convinced that I, I knew the course before I even picked up the book to read it. It's just where my mind was. So for me, it was it was like an oracle. It was intensely joyful. Uh, it was part of a listen follow. I would close my eyes, pray the prayer, open the book, and and get a lot of instruction and a lot of practical guidance by using the book as an oracle. But most people don't come into the course that way. And then. When I was in the course the first five years, I think I was so ready and willing that that I I would say probably the late 1980s around that and right around that time, I was living in the woods and I had I had three revelatory experiences where the whole world disappeared. So this is not a typical uh, way into the course, you know. Uh, three revelatory experiences where the world disappears, living in the woods. Before I went up to spend time with Ken and Gloria Wapnick, before I did all my travels around the United States and Canada and the world, I started off with the mystical experiences and they were hugely helpful. I mean, that was like I went past the veil three times. And and even G Jesus says they're extremely rare. It's It's very rare. But it set me on my path and my faith through the travels and through the holy encounters, it grew stronger and stronger. My faith just kept expanding and expanding. It reminds me of something Jesus said 2000 years ago when he was talking to the apostles and Thomas was there when, uh, I think it was when he came back after the resurrection and Jesus said, blessed are those who have seen and who have believed. Far greater blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. And I remember when I first read that in the Bible, I was like, what does that mean, who have not seen? He was talking about this inward experience of faith, where we just, our conviction and love and God grows stronger and stronger, our conviction in miracles, and, and it carries us carries us through everything. So I can relate. Um, the doors close, certain doors that we have planned for our life, our worldly life, the doors close. And then you find yourself in a hotel in Pakistan, and you sometimes think, have I gone completely insane? <laughs> have, I, have I gone off the deep end? And there were those moments along the way where I just I think when I would look around at some of the places the Holy Spirit guided me to, I would just look around and just smile and go, you're in charge. You're in charge. I'm just following. And that's been my state of trust and listen and follow for all these years. In fact, sometimes people will go back and, and look at my recordings from the 1990s and will say, David, you were teaching the same things that you're teaching today in 2022, back in the 1990s. I, I, it's on the internet. And they say most teachers, at least they evolve. 
<laughs> they they evolve over time, but you've been teaching the exact same things since the since the 1990s when you started to travel and do public things. And I say, well, yeah. I said, there's more space in between my words sometimes, or there's a little, it's a little different cadence, but it's no, it's the same, same teachings. But that's because I had the revelatory experiences and and kind of got into that crystal clear, pristine state of mind. And then the teachings just come from that. You know, it's not really from the book. It's just, it's the spirit's got a hold of me now. So we're with you. And what a journey. You're you're going down the rabbit hole and now you're in a hotel in Pakistan and joining us for the first time. And we're all feeling blessed by your smile and, and by your faith. And and I, I trust that even that that friend that got you into the course, that was Jesus was behind that. That was it was a temporary assignment <laughs> to to take you in toward the light, to closer to Jesus is what it was for. But we're not here to ride on anybody's coattails or to rub elbows with people for, for years. We're just here for a, an inner experience of, of connection. And I feel that with you. I, I'm so glad you're with us. Okay, thank you. We've got a lot of hands, so we're gonna keep, keep zooming along here. Thank you so much. Okay, we have Mary next. Hi, Hi I'm Mary. Hi. My first time being with you, David and Francis. Um, I, you know, like I had a question or I want to share, but I have to say that everyone who, you know, spoke and shared and your answers have been very relevant. <laughs> It's been spot on. So, you know, thank you everyone for sharing from your heart. Um, I guess what I really want to share is uh, this, um, like I got into the course like uh, seven years ago uh, because I had this one year where um, everything was falling apart. And, but before that I had been going through you know, the career, the apartment, the, the marriage, the relationships, the socialness and all that. And then I was trying to have children and then I was having miscarriages and then my father got ill, my family of origin was falling apart and all this. And at the end of uh, this crazy year, um, my mother said, maybe God's calling you. I don't know why, but it, it just struck something. So I've been doing the coursework and somehow the Course Miracles came to me um, and I've been doing the work um, and I'm at this point where I don't really know how to explain it, but it's like, like I'm still attached to those rules um, like being a wife, being a daughter, being um, a sister, a friend, um, even though I'm not a mother, but like wanting to be a mother. Um, but I also am starting to realize that maybe they're not for me. <laughs> that sounds kind of crazy. 
And um, I don't know how to explain it, but just like I'm attached to them, but I also want to let them go. And just hearing what other people are saying, like I feel abnormal for wanting to let them go. And I'm kind of having a hard time. Um, like with my husband, right? Like I have a rule of wife. But if I let that go, um, what does that mean for him? And um, and you know, I love him. And maybe it's not. Um, it's just like it's like I, I, like I, I don't want the role of wife, but I want to be with him because I love him. But I don't know how to navigate that um, when other people have expectations of what role I should be. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, so I guess I'm in that spot where like I know what my goal is now, but how to, um, like, you know, Jesus said, like, be in the world, but not of it. So I'm grappling with that. Like, how do I be in it, um, but not of it? and still be loving and accepting and kind. Um, like, I don't want to uh, go with the ego thought that I've like sacrificed everything and, you know, live in a cave or, you know, uh, that kind of way. But I'm also very unsure of how to uh, navigate like these goals of peace or God, but still, you know, the roles that I, I, I have already. So, yeah. Um, yeah, anything you have to share about that. And, and also, I guess there's a lot of fear about um, what it would look like. And maybe I haven't surrendered that, you know, to um, be comfortable about how it would unfold. So, Mm. Thanks for. No, thank you, Mary. Thank you. Well, yeah, I'm sure Francis and I can can share a lot about that because the the unconscious belief that made this world, you could call it sacrifice. So when we become engaged in a self concept, a make believe self concept that that is flesh, uh, that is time space uh, dependent. Um, in the Bible, it said that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I now am born again. And Jesus talked a lot about what that born again experience was of being spirit. And, um, and certainly that your experience is, is one of the feeling of maybe attachment or that there would, it would require sacrifice 
of something that you value and hold dear. And that's the underlying belief of the ego, that you have to sacrifice something real and valuable in order to know God and, and know who you truly are. But um, I would say too, Francis, you have, I mean, this, what Mary's talking about, this is the, the way your life played out um, in terms of coming to the Course, feeling called by God, uh, even though you grew up in an atheist family in Beijing, China, and uh, didn't know who the Beatles were and, you know, and so on and so forth. Then suddenly, uh, when you're in Australia, the call came in pretty strong, and then you've had to follow your guidance and navigate all those things with the same things, husband, family, uh, everything that Mary's talking about, you've had to walk right through it, through the guidance. But I think you, yeah, you can share from your own experience how that went. Yeah, and I, I, I totally relate to what you're saying, Mary, because from this, Jesus calls from this end of the bridge, um, I, nothing makes sense like talking about the other side of it, because from this end, the ego is saying, yeah, you're going to be ended up in, on the street, like David, you're saying, <laughs> and the gutter. Uh, or you, you, you're going to become a nun or be in a cave. And it's just a very, very dark picture of what is the alternative. But for me, I think I, you know, I realized that point where I had a, a husband and everything else, and I felt I was very deeply unhappy. And then what happened was I was trying to navigate through my own life, even what to do about my marriage, but it was just not really a clear answer. But then the course came to my life and I started to feel this urge to hold online group, um, actually meetup groups to meet with people. That's where people started to say, you should meet this American teacher called David Hoffmeister. He's coming to Australia. So it was like, for me, it was, this family life here is, is almost like a puzzle I could not solve. And then at the same time, this door is opening of this light and this joy is opening up with, oh, of course, miracles, and I can hold meetup groups. Then immediately, the second meeting people introduce, you should meet this American teacher. David came to Australia and I went to a retreat that was the experience that was enough for me. I didn't have rev revelation at the beginning, but that was nothing shortage of that to me because it was so much joy for, for the whole time. And I came home and I thought to myself, God is real, God's love is real. And I tasted it for the first time in my life ever. And then at the end of the retreat, when a facilitator asked me, say, I just said, I just like long, I long to fly with you guys, just literally and metaphorically. I long to, to be able to live this forever. And he asked me, he said, what does it take for you? And I said, I need to let go of my marriage, my business and my houses. And he said, oh, normally people say one thing, you put all three in one sentence and and I said, yeah, but I didn't really know, like, you know, I just, this is just such an intense, intense call and draw to 
to that, and I was basking in that that love and that joy for such a long time, and I just did the first thing, which was my business, which was the easiest emotionally, closed it down, then started to really talk with my husband and. I think I started to feel like there was some kind of forgiveness between us as well about certain things that was hidden. And so it just like started to pour everything out about no private thoughts, about my calling, about, and things started to unfold very quickly from that point. And then I had an, a second retreat planned with David back to back maybe weeks in, in between, after I had some very hard-to-hard -hard talk with my husband and the second retreat, which was what I heard from this voice again, trust him, trust David. And I felt, you know, I, I'm, I'm going, but it was so scary. And yet after the retreat, the day my retreat finished, I received a news of my, my friend died she was very young and and I just felt in my heart that this is what this world is, is death. And and I can't, I can't, this is not my world anymore. So when I heard the news, my husband told me when I woke up in the morning, Maggie died. I said, I'm leaving. That was like a response. It was involuntary, completely involuntary and unplanned. I didn't even plan how to go about that. But that was what happened to me. But it was, you know, I, I, I did face afterwards, after I said that, the, all this guilt and all this communication and feeling of betrayal. But I just have to say that even I have experienced so many miracles with this whole process, because there was one point where my husband took me to, um, a priest and said, if you want God, you should listen to what the priest says, a Christian priest. And the priest basically said, this is the devil, you know, you're, you're following the devil. And I never heard that before. So I came out of the meeting so sad and I was crying and my husband was sitting in the car with me. So I said, okay, you're right. I'm not going anywhere. And then I saw his eyes this sadness and disappointment flash through his eyes in such a subtle way that he doesn't even know it. And that is like this little spark back to my heart. Oh, he wants me to go deep down, even if he say he doesn't, the whole universe is wanting me to go. There is such a big purpose under this. So this is where like little sparks keep pushing me along the way and carried me through the whole the whole things. And look at now, I I love it. My husband, my ex-husband, he he had two children. That's that's really his life dream. And I bless him and I love him and everybody in my life that I seemingly like um, not really in contact with are so blessed by me going and yeah, it's just such a blessing, truly. Yeah, I think the thing about it is we, on this side of the bridge, we can't even imagine how it will go, how it will look, how it will turn out. For me, even when I first started following Jesus and traveling around the United States, like for five and a half weeks, 
did I have moments in those five and a half weeks out where I missed my family, my mother, my father, my sister? Yes. Uh, did I miss my grandmother? Yes. Uh, but I was out letting spirit come through me, speak through me, smile through me, laugh through me, hug through me. So after the first five and a half weeks, I came back and when I saw the skyline of my city and I saw there was still sentimentality, there was still nostalgia there, there still was missing there. And Jesus was like, yeah, this was one five and a half week trip. Out of, out of 36 years, he was just saying, oh, we're just getting started. You know, I'm, I'm going to speak through you and smile and hug through you. He knew there was a much bigger plan. He was going to take me around the world many, many, many times over, 44 countries. I'm, I would go way beyond my ego comfort zone as a shy young man from Cincinnati. Jesus was like, eh, this is no problem. Shy young man from Cincinnati. Moses stuttered. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit brought the Ten Commandments through. <laughs> through a stuttering, frightened man in, uh, in, in Egypt and in that part of the world. Jesus is like, no, it, he, he showed me through many, many ones, Helen Keller and on and on and on. Whatever limitations I believed I had was no problem for the Holy Spirit, none at all. Uh, he, he didn't say, oh yeah, next lifetime we'll pick you up and we'll pick up this. You know? I was like, whoa, and he was like, oh, this, let's, we've got a lot of, of inner work to do here, and there's a lot of healing, but it's for the whole universe. This isn't for a person or a country or a family. This is for the whole universe. Everything I do through you will be for the whole universe. We'll send a blessing to the entire universe. That's a different context. We're not used to thinking in those terms. But he says it in the workbook. He says, everything I think and say and do teaches all the universe. That's not something our parents taught us. Oh, you'll grow up to be the savior of the world where everything you think and say and do will bless the entire universe. No, sorry, my mom and dad, sister never delivered that message, but it's in the course. <laughs> Jesus is delivering that message. And he's saying, you're like me. We're the same one. We're the same Christ. It's inevitable that you recognize the Christ, the universal love. So as, as Francis was saying, you know, there we have uh, we have a seeming love with partners and family. I with my my dog Chipper was my counselor for many, many years. I cried many, many tears, and that little pink tongue of this dog licked the uh, cheeks for many, many years. Jesus sent in just what I needed. He, I think he knew that better than a psychotherapist was an, an unconditionally loving female dog. <laughs> so he, he, he always knows the best way uh, for us to purge, to move through the darkness, to release the, the false beliefs. And what a journey you're on. Yeah, you're, you're joining us now and um, in some senses, it helps. Like with Frances, she's, she was in the same belief system and, and was perceiving the same things. So she just kind of walked you through uh, her journey of faith 
where she stayed true to her, her heart, and then she just kept trusting that things would unfold. And it's, it's more, there's more miracles and there's more expansion than we can even conceive of that's in the journey. But it does seem to the ego and to the world like abandonment. It seems like rejection. It seems like sacrifice. Ego's got its own interpretation of, of even the lives of the mystics and saints, you know, like uh, Mary, Mary Magdalene, you know, she, I just showed the movie pretty recently of her and she, her brother, or her father, her sisters, the whole family was determined that she was to be married and uh, have children. And then Jesus came through the town of Magdala and she couldn't hide it. She couldn't hold back. She felt something, some calling in her heart that got triggered. And we all know the story of Mary Magdala. You know, she she just said yes to that. And she had to uh, she had to literally leave it all behind. Not that that it was real. I mean, when you're going through it, you face the feelings, but when you come through it and you come closer to the light, then then you start to realize that the, what you thought was a sacrifice wasn't a sacrifice at all. When people ask me, what did I have to give up? Did I have to give up anything important or valuable? I say, no, no, it's not been a sacrifice at all. And I think Francis is the same, you know, it's been a, a joyful journey of expansiveness and deepening faith, but it has not been a sacrificial journey at all for us. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Jagita, is that how you pronounce your name? <laughs> yes. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, my name is Jurgita. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can make it without crying because, oh, not, not that my goal is to make it without crying, but um, in order to speak, I need to stop crying. <laughs> but oh, this is such a loving space that oh, I burst it into tears immediately. Um, sorry. I'm just so grateful and so happy to be here. I don't know, it's just, uh, I feel like I haven't cried like this for um, some time now, but um, it's such a loving and safe space. That it's just, I cannot stop this. It just feels, um, it's so cathartic. It's just, I don't almost even need to speak. I just feel um, how um, the presence of this love is uh, so healing. But yes, I would like to get to, to say um, what I wanted to say because I'm going through um, quite a transformational um, time for for several years now but um this past year 
um, has been uh, really, um, of course, the terms of this world is challenging, but um, I discovered the, or the course of the, in miracles discovered me, <laughs> found me, and um, it has been my um, greatest light and support and strength um, to go through a lot of um, things, but um, it has been everything actually. The the marriage, the uh, the um, the motherhood, and um, I could not even name everything. I just feel so. Um, how can I say this? I just really feel um, how God is calling me, and at the moment, I really. I can feel how I know in my heart already um, how to um, handle um, most of the things that I'm going through because I um, I am now at this um, stage where I am being asked to surrender completely, um, to surrender in the sense that um, it's a total unknown um, and I am, well, probably I should give a bit more detail because it's hard to explain, um, but um, my son is almost six and uh, he has Asperger's, uh, which is no, no big deal really, but it's just a little bit more challenging for him in, um, social situations and then um, just in general going out in life uh, with you know communicating with others and we are living actually um, in another country than the language that we speak um, and he doesn't like speaking the foreign language and he doesn't want to go to school and obviously he would have to go to school soon and I could really feel I can feel his heart and I um, have been um, open to this idea that I will do everything that um, I don't have to force him screaming to go to school, especially after my own experiences and knowing how much of um, of the false beliefs and everything we are being passed on. But to make the long story short, I we are um, we want to uh, what's called unschooling. I don't know if you ever heard of this term. It's homeschooling, but it's a bit farther than that where you don't follow any kind of um, plan for school. It's just really being open to, it's like child-led learning because all the children have the, um, not only children, all of us, but children especially um, because they don't have as many false beliefs yet. Um, and I fully trust, I have worked with uh, myself for quite a few years now, and I fully trust um, his, um, uh, whatever he wants to learn, whatever his heart is calling for, and he's already reading and writing. He's so amazing. I just, I'm just so, 
he's really the light of my life. But um, so, yes, to, uh, what I wanted to say is that we want to, um, I want to let him go this path that he does not have to go to school and we have to um, find a country um, where this would be legal. And I know US is one of them, but <laughs> we are in Germany right now, but actually we, uh, um, me and my husband, we come from Lithuania. So um, uh, in Germany, it's not allowed, neither homeschooling nor unschooling. And um, uh, what I want to say is that it's such a unknown, totally unknown space because I'm learning to um, trust the guidance. I have, I have done a lot of research already, you know, uh, what countries where we could go, but this is so complex and there is no one clear answer. Um, so, and my husband has Asperger's too. So I'm in the marriage, it's very complicated. And I, um, I learned about this only um, several months ago about the, um, this was another challenge where I just prayed um, for such a long time, I, um, I just, um, I don't know how to make this long story short, but I just, um, marriage was another challenge, but I'm, I think I'm, um, I'm passed through it, uh, but, um, what I wanted to say is that my husband is really kind and um, uh, a good person, but he's just, um, he doesn't feel um, the, um, like a genuine um, desire or genuine um, wish to um, help me with, uh, I don't know, just, uh, having conversations where we both um, as parents would try to um, just discuss or maybe share ideas. So I've um, gone through this stage where I really was having a hard time thinking that he has to help me. And then I realized that no, he does not. Uh, it's not from him that the answers have to come and this help uh, where it has to come from. So I've been um, going this past year um, through many, many different situations where everything was just bringing me closer to God, closer to God, closer to trusting and surrendering and um, knowing that the answers will come. So I have no idea where will we will be um, um, in the next few months, which is just really short few months. Uh, but this means we have to move somewhere and my husband is not really um, very excited about moving and leaving his job. So that means probably it would be just me and my son. Um, oh, it's really um, not easy, but anytime I... Um, feel this confusion and pain, I remember uh, 
Um, oh, I'm getting so emotional. Usually, this is not this difficult um, to speak about this. Um, but I just uh, remember that I have to trust and uh, be in this present moment. And um, when I am at peace, really at peace, I really feel so good. Um, but I guess my question is, or my only fear, and I know fear is of the ego. So it's really like, um, I'm aware that it is of the ego, but I still have um, this fear because as the time is getting closer, when the decision has to be made, the fear is getting stronger. So I'm being invited more and more, of course, which is, I'm grateful for that. I'm uh, being invited to be in this present moment. So I don't have to think that I am the decision maker or that I have to um, think I will be making decision. But my only fear right now is that um, I can miss somehow the guidance and I know it's ego that's trying to scare me. I'm aware of that as well. But is there um, anything um, that you can, I don't know, speak of or um, suggest um, how to, um, I don't know, is there anything I can... <laughs> All the answers, I know, I, I, I know, I, I know that there is no way to miss the guidance and the script is written and it seems that I know all of it, but it's just, I still have this fear coming up that I would miss the guidance somehow and then I'm getting remedially into panic. And then of course I remember this is the ego and I have to come back to the present moment. No, I will not be missing the guidance because the script is already written and everything is just fine, I can relax. And I relax for a moment, and then there is the wave of the fear and panic, but um, probably this is normal as I'm going through this to have those moments, or am I just, I don't know, how to go through this when the time is coming close to where the decision has to be made, and this, if I would be in the ego, it would be unbearable because the pressure is so high possible. And I've done the research and there was no clarity. It was just more confusion, more stress. And I realized that no, this is not the way to go. Probably I don't have to do the research of how, when and where. And I've done this so many times and it never worked. I just felt more stressed out and more pressured and more angry at my husband. And then I'm like, no, I don't have to make any decisions. I know everything will come. Um, how to survive this time where it's such a um, great pressure if you see it in worldly terms, but at the same time, it's probably just the greater calling to come Dikita? closer to God and yeah, I'm Dikita? sorry. So, yeah, we'll just need to wrap it up soon because we have, uh, we're just going into overtime. Okay, sorry. Thank you so much. Dukita. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. It's, you know, it, everything is a blessing. Everything is for our awakening. 
And um, it's so beautiful because um, like, for example, with the, the unschooling or the homeschooling, which is so strong in your mind, I just see Jesus is just giving those as such clear signposts and markers. And I had that in my life as well. I, I was in the graduate school and I was in a very elite uh, school psychology program. And I was on a full scholarship and with working with primary professors. And then the second year of my two year master's degree program, I suddenly became intensely excited about an idea and it was unschooling. So I told my professors, I, this is it. I'm so excited. This is the way. And they looked at me like, you are crazy. You have lost your mind. And that helped get me out of grad school. And, and then the Course in Miracles dropped into my life uh, after I was rejoicing with this idea of unschooling. Also, uh, I see uh, our Living Miracles uh, group down there at La Casa, Lisa Fair. Um, I first met her when she had two uh, teenage children and the youngest was Polly. And after Lisa started following the course and she started going deeper and deeper in that and letting go of, of things, um, finally her son uh, Polly would not fit into uh, the traditional schools uh, at all. He, he didn't want to be have anything to do with it. And so there she was practicing the course, listening to the Holy Spirit, and doing homeschooling with, with her son um, right there. So what you're going through now, I've actually seen it in my life, the, the joy of unschooling, which is basically backed by Jesus, unlearn everything, let go of everything you've ever learned, and let me guide you. Uh, as far as the Asperger's, um, I have a friend um, in, um, in Australia named Tia, and Tia's had those leanings towards Asperger's her entire life, and she finally came to realize that this was God calling her. This was God calling her deeper and deeper inward, and what's diagnosed by the medical model and psychology and psychiatrists as, as, as a limit or as what is inhibiting is actually a sign and a symbol to one's own mind to go inward and go inward with everything. Even communication, which seems to not be a, a strong suit for Asperger's, Jesus is saying the, the communication is internal. Uh, what you perceive as communication in the world is not uh, communication at all. It's not really between people. It's you're trying to make the connection with the inner communicator, which is the Holy Spirit, and it comes to your mind. You can still talk to the Holy Spirit and Jesus, but it's all internal. And so that's another site. And, and you have not one, but two symbols, a husband and a son. <laughs> so that's a double blessing of, of starting to realize that the con inner connection is where the answers come. And then you don't put the pressure on your husband or on your son. You want to, as the Course says, let all things be exactly as they are. You want to learn to accept your husband and your son exactly as they are. 
that they don't have to change at all for you to be happy, that you have happiness within yourself. And as you tune into that happiness, you will radiate that happiness. So to the world, it seems like a pretty extreme situation. You know, you're in a country where there's not unschooling or homeschooling. That, that happens, but you will be guided to where you need to go and what you need to do. And it will be a blessing to, to your son and to you. And it doesn't demand the sacrifice. If, if, uh, if your husband is saying that's too big of a leap, uh, he's saying, I, I, I love you, I wanna support you, but I'm not quitting my job and my career for this, then that's perfectly beautiful too. Uh, you can let all things be exactly as they are because it will just build your faith. Uh, you will be guided to the perfect place. You can't mess it up. Uh, you don't have to be concerned about missing the guidance because you, you, we always get little nudges that make sure we stay on the track. <laughs> Even when we want, are tempted to believe we're off the track, we're on, we're on the track. <laughs> We're in the tractor beam. Uh, the spirits got us and we cannot mess it up. So I think it's so beautiful that you could come on here and just pour your heart out and feel the love and the acceptance. And I just want to share with you that that Asperger's as a symbol has, has been something that I've seen in my life and I've seen it as a blessing. I've seen the full blessing of it and, and also the unschooling. Um, my mother was a teacher. I was in university for 10 years. And for me in graduate school to get excited about unschooling, I can only imagine how strange that was to my parents, to, uh, to my professors. Uh, we quickly had to part ways <laughs> because I was so excited about unschooling that when I came to the course and I opened the course and, and Jesus says, you have gone far into darkness and you learned this world of darkness and you never paused to stop and ask yourself, why am I learning all this darkness? He said, you wound yourself so deep into the darkness and now we begin unlearning. It's funny that he even named the book A Course in Miracles because when you get into it, you see it's all about unschooling. The whole thing is about unlearning and emptying your mind. And he's not asking us to learn anything of the world. He's asking us to empty our mind of every single thought we've learned. So I was already excited about unschooling. And then I read the line from Jesus, to learn this course requires willingness to question every value that you hold, not one can be kept hidden or it will obscure your learning. Meaning the only way you reach God is to unlearn everything. So I see that that's why the tears of joy are just coming down, just participating in this because you're finding a huge confirmation that you have not been insane. You actually are moving towards sanity, towards peace, towards peace of mind. And to the world, it looks upside down. Uh, the world cannot understand what you're going through and the world cannot understand what you're talking about even. But I, I can totally relate to every single word you're sharing that, that I 
offer my love and my confirmation that, that you have been indeed being called by God. You are not crazy. You have been following faithfully. And even the thoughts about the unschooling and the Asperger's, you're starting to see the blessing uh, for your own mind from all of that. And instead of it being a, a hindrance or a weight and burden, it's actually uh, being used by Jesus to free your mind uh, from, from all darkness. So I am with you uh, all the way. I always feel when I meet someone for the first time that we're lifelong uh, undoing, unlearning partners, <laughs> and uh, we can actually celebrate uh, this journey together and, and rejoice as the scales of uh, and the veils of ignorance fall from our mind and the light uh, lights us up. So thank you for sharing, uh, pouring your heart out. It takes took a lot of courage, but that that's for everyone. You just did it for the whole universe. You you just gave permission to everyone. Mary, who's looking at her her relationships, everyone is starting to to examine their world and and say. I want to be on this path of, of undoing and unlearning, and I want to realize who I truly am. So thank you. You've just given us all a huge gift. <laughs> thank you. Sweet. Well, <laughs> I thought I'd just uh, come in now, David. Um, I know uh, we've got a few more hands and we've just gone into 27 minutes over time. We'll have some more time on Sunday for questions and um, some of our other sessions too, but how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Why don't we, um, if we go to these next four hands that are up and we just try to keep it brief, um, know that everything that's spoken will be addressed. Um, whatever you have to, to say, I will address it in the movie tomorrow. <laughs> and and again on uh, Sunday. So I'll give you a double answer. Uh, but mainly you could just focus on articulating what it is that's burning in your in your heart. And then we'll uh, let Jesus orchestrate time and space uh, for tomorrow's uh, sessions and also on Sunday when Francis and I uh, address things in a very direct way. So Bhavna. You've patiently waited there. <laughs> Tell us what's on your heart. Hi, David. Hi, Francis. Uh, hi. Um, I just wanted to share a quick thing about two things that um, both of you talked about in the initial talk. Um, the first was about ego goals and achieving in the world and not finding the happiness. So my, my sister has always been like the super achiever and I never sort of measured up in terms of academically, marriage, kids, all of those things, money. And uh, recently, I think she sort of had this awakening where she realized she had everything, including a mansion, but she... Um, she saw that I quit my job, my corporate job. So I, I'm like, you know, descending on the ladder, like falling completely off. And yet my parents still support me and they still love me. And, you know, 
people still seem to love me, you know, they haven't <laughs> let go of me. So she was experiencing a lot of resentment towards me. And she was like, what the hell? I did everything I was supposed to do. And um, why are you being loved? I thought you were supposed to earn love you know, through all of these things that I did and you failed at every single thing. And you're not even a formidable opponent for me to compete against, you know? And so she was like, I'm really disappointed in you, but she was just expressing all this stuff that she, you know, went up the ladder and it wasn't it. And, um, I think for me, uh, when she expressed it to me, first she expressed it to my dad, but he wasn't very supportive. He was like, you just need to work harder. And then, but he, when she expressed to me, I, I was like, I get it. You know, I was also jealous of you. I was also trying to compete, but I never measured up. So I think just that release of, you know, um, emotion, there's something just happening there where I lived vicariously through her and uh, I saw, oh, it's a dead end, you know? So it was, I, I didn't need to do that. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention, I think initially, David, you talked about linear time and this whole purpose of this course. I just wanted to put on the altar and this is for the whole retreat is, uh, my I share this on tribe it's like my my huge trigger about age and um the body moving through time and I can't stand aging like I'm just <laughs> becoming aware of this I have a huge prejudice towards aging or old people you know um it's because of my own self-hatred I can't stand you know like my hair falling out or turning gray or looking different so I, I just want to put these two things out there and uh, yeah, uh, that's my prayer is to release myself from this burden of time because I've um, suffered a lot from it, you know, being in the body and aging and all that. So that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's beautiful. That's a common thing. I, I find time so humorous now. Uh, that it's just almost like a comedy skit. Like uh, I went uh, in December, my mother had had a massive heart attack. She was uh, on life support. Then uh, the family all met and we're going through all the different things and grief and this and that. But um, as uh, Tamara Morgan asked me on a recent recording of a show, she said, did you uh, and, and her friend Derek, did you feel anything? And I, oh, I was just feeling the love and joy, nothing else. Um, but then it gets to the point where they have this, the, the, the laying out of the body, you know, the casket and the body. So talk about white hair uh, and talk about age. She was, the body was 94, the hair was white. And I go back to the church where I had been decades ago, way before the course and everything. And I just thought, oh, I'm just going to sit in the minister's hall, fellowship hall, and just sit on the couch. And then people, one by one, started coming up, and they kept apologizing. They come up, David, do you even remember me? I'm old now. And then the next one would come up, David, do you know me? 
I'm so old. It was the theme. Everybody was old. My mother was 94 in the in the coffin with white hair, with makeup on and everything, just laying there. And then all the people were coming up apologizing. And I was just like a little kid, gleeful, joyful, just happy and everything. But I, I would have to look at them. I'd kind of look at them like, who are you? Because I, I can't tell what the bodies when they get so old and so white and gray and wrinkled. These are people that I decades, decades ago coming up one after another. Do you remember me, David? I'm I'm so old. <laughs> I think I'm everyone. But I, I and then I talk, they sit down near me and talk to me and we just were in the joy of the present moment. But I know for you, it's, it's just it's one of those things in the self concept that uh, that it's just coming. And then now Jesus is going to play with you and send in a relationship of 20. What is the age gap with you and Colin? 20? 20? Yeah, it's decades. So it, it's Jesus is going to have some fun with that. Your strongest fear and strongest attachment, Jesus is going to say, well, let's play a game. Here, I'll send you a relationship of a, of a guy is 20 some years older than you. And this is how it works. Jesus is always playing with us because it's all about like, like I was just talking about, it's undoing, it's unlearning, it's uh, letting go of the grip, the, the attachments that we've held on to, that were related to the body and the world. And, and once you realize it's about letting go, then you can start to enjoy it a little bit when it seems about collecting and holding on, it's it's not fun. But like me at the funeral parlor, I had a great time. I, I guess I have more fun at funeral parlors than most anyone. And even when my grandmother passed, they gave up this really solemn eulogy. And then they asked me if uh, I would come up and speak with Lillian was laying in the casket. So I went up and I just let Lillian speak through me. And, and it was fun and joyful and everybody recognized her. I just channeled Lillian at her own funeral. She was she was not going to have a dark funeral. She was going to have a party and she made sure of it. And I, I agreed with her. I said, yeah, we need to go and cheer this up a little bit. So I let her speak at her own funeral through me. But this is what I mean by joy. You know, there's there's really nothing ever to feel that that is is really heavy because once you get into the joy of the spirit, it, it transfers like uh, Francis was saying, the miracle transfers to every situation. Believe me, even at funeral homes and even at, at uh, cemeteries, uh, it comes through in a very light and joyful way, not offensive. Uh, it's just, it's such a pure joy that, that people recognize it uh, and, and it happens over and over. It happens almost every time when I go to a cemetery or a, or a funeral home now. So thank you for being so uh, transparent. We love you. <laughs> thank you, Bethany. Beautiful. Okay, Robert. Hello, David. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Robert. Hi, David. Well, I uh, feel a bit blank at the moment. Um, how did I get in touch with the with the course? Uh, I will keep it short. I uh, I read a book of Marianne Williamson, and uh, there she talked a lot about uh, the course. 
And then I decided to buy the book. First in English, but my English is quite good, but the language in the book is uh, not easy for, for Dutch people, I think. So I ordered it also in Dutch. And then I've been reading the text. Um, this is my second participation. I was in the movie workshop, uh, the Time for Heaven. Oh, yes. It was very, ni was very nice. And um, after I started reading the book, I, 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 met a, I met a woman in the Vondelpark in Amsterdam. She was also uh, doing uh, the course. And uh, I quite fell in love with her, but she was not interested in me. But what she did do, she gave me your name. I think she sent me a YouTube uh, movie about you. And she gave me the name of Svava. So uh, I look a lot uh, to your videos. And uh, I feel very attracted to your joy and, and the joy of Francis and Svava. Um, I decided to sign up for the Tabula Rasa in, uh, in Mexico. Uh, this summer, and um, the things on my heart at the moment is um, it's it's not easy to, easy to say, but um, I sure hope Jesus has plans for me because I'm almost sixty, and I'm, at the moment I don't feel like karma or energy for my next plan, my personal plan. It's like I don't have a career. I do have a job, but no career. I don't have children nor grandchildren. I don't have a partner. I move from room to room, from city to city, from job to job. And somehow I cannot come up with the next plan. On the other hand, if Jesus has plans for me, that also scares me. <laughs> because then uh, I'm afraid to give, give away the power. And what scares me about the Tabula Rasa to come to Mexico is I, I, I heard or I read, sometimes there are work uh, projects. And then the first is praying. And then it's decided um, who's going to lead the project. And that scares me because I'm, I don't like to lead people. I lived in a commune and sometimes I had to lead dishes in the evening. That means uh, with a group of people, you have to clean the house, um, clean the kitchen. And one person has to lead it. And sometimes they told me, yeah, you are the leader tonight. And then I tried to get out of it, but they didn't want to let me get out of it. So I had to do it. Um, I think what is difficult for me about leading people is that I'm quite a people pleaser. So I want to see everybody happy, and that's not always handy when you're the leader. So sometimes you have to be strict. So that's a bit on my heart, David. Maybe you can say something about leadership in the weekend. Um, that would be good. And I feel so much love in this meeting. Since the moment I, I stepped in it, I feel the, the, the vibrations. And... Um, it's uh, it's it's very nice now to have a real contact with you and, and Francis. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Well, I'll keep your prayer in mind for for the movie, because uh, I think the movie will address um, some of those thoughts around leadership um, 
it's a it's a symbol that the spirit can use to undo the ego just like following is is a symbol uh, but i like what jesus says you know and don't don't go ahead of me i may not follow don't go behind me i may not lead walk beside me and hold my hand um, because the teaching always is to bring us to that state of oneness which which is reflected in perfect equality so if you just think of those temporary roles and assignments that are used to free your mind from the concepts of leaders and followers uh, to just into an experience of connection, feeling love and connection and not a, a false sense of responsibility with either leading or following. Uh, that's never the goal. The goal is to let go of, uh, of, of leading and following, but the spirit can use it in a very helpful way um, because the spirit knows where our ego is really at, at controlling and very strong and attached and then it will use the symbols to help us um, crack the nut or <laughs> peel the onion uh, to find the core that soft core that connected core so thank you look forward to uh, your trip to mexico that's that's an adventure too i think jesus will definitely show the plans as you as you just take the steps and he is so loving and so so wise and so gentle that uh, eventually we learn to just welcome uh, his guidance. Initially, it's a little bit of a of a of a struggle, a resistance. But once we realize it's all leading to the the peace and the love, then we we become more willing. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Robert. Nice thank to meet you. you. Martin. Hey, how are you? I'm, how are you? Hi, Martin. Nice hey, um, I'm feeling really afraid now. Like I, I, I've been scripting what I'm going to say. And at one point I just saw like, like how the mind is doing the script and it's like, just shut up. I want to be in the present. And it was for some moment I was in the present, but now I'm back in the fear. And uh, I, so if I, I guess if I wanted to really boil it down, it's like uh, uh, like fear, shame, and guilt. You know, like like this is the like like sometimes I feel very like uh, like I cannot speak, you know, my truth, uh, and uh, I feel very like this guilt, very deep guilt feelings. Um, I, I like you said something about like you experience your resentments without um, having anything in the world that you know justifies that like sometimes i i can like even go to my apartment like i have my apartment and i i live with my parents because i cannot be in, in my apartment alone and i i suddenly start feeling all these like strange feelings of fear and, and, and like death like i close my eyes and it feels like a, like a horror movie and it's like i feel stupid because I, I am 40 years old i have my own apartment it's mine it's not even renting it's my place uh, and I cannot be there, and I've been traveling everywhere in the world. I, I went to all these spiritual teachers, and uh, and yet something always puts me back to Buenos Aires. I'm from Argentina, and you know, like it's always the same problem. Like I cannot stand to be there just by myself in my apartment. I can be alone in India, like in Pakistan. This girl is in the hotel room. I, I've been in that situation. <laughs> you know, strange places, uh, but um, like, 
like always something pulls me back and, and I have like, I don't know, I, I, I've been having this same human problems since I started the spiritual journey, like, like you when I was 28. And, uh, and it's like the same problems are still there. <laughs> um, I do feel like I made progress, you know, and, and, and <laughs> but it's like, I always come back to the same places. You know, it's like three things, like my career, my sexuality and my apartment, like that's it. Uh, and, and it's always the same, you know, like I feel like I get more experiences uh, and I'm so, I'm so happy to have your videos because uh, like it reminds me of oneness, like this is a dream. I was like, I wonder like, what if, what if we could really, or I could really understand that this is a dream. Uh, and, and I see that, you know, I see that and I, and I speak to some people about it and, and kind of like nobody understands, uh, <laughs> like even like, well, some will to maybe understand, but even like spiritual people, um, they, 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 oh, it's just in the mind, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like even spiritual people, they don't understand or start talking about energy or about like, souls or like we are different people kind of thing uh, and um and it's so hard to find a place where you can really speak about oneness i even went to oneness university like oh. but that even like broke up and I, I had all these problems like well no problem but situation that i went to so many spiritual teachers and everything broke up like i used to go with like you know john of god and he's in jail now uh, <laughs> uh, and oneness university broke apart and it's now another school and my Kriya yoga teacher died from COVID. Like, like everything was just, you know, these last two years, three years, just uh, everything broke down. And, you know, I was so upset in my country, like even spiritual people start to talk a lot about politics and it's like, try to divide, you know? And um, I say like, but we are spiritual people. We should not be like feeding this division in people. But I, I don't know, like, I see like everyone falling and these last two years with the pandemics, I also started talking about politics. Uh, so I don't know, I guess I, I'm just rambling, but... Um, but. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> well, we're, I'm so happy to meet you because, um, you know, when things seem to be falling apart, you know, the one in this university, John of God's in jail, all these things seem to be happening. Uh, you know, that's part of Jesus uh, helping us dismantle from uh, the self-concept. You know, the funny thing was back around 2005, I think it was, I got invited to go to Buenos Aires, Argentina. I was so happy. I said, great, great. I'll buy the tickets. I bought the tickets. And then my friend who invited me, she so called me, left a phone message, emails, don't come, don't come. My world is crashing. My husband of 32 years just had an affair uh, with a woman from another uh, country. Uh, my life is a shambles. I said, no, I've already bought the tickets. I'm coming. Uh, so I come down to Buenos Aires. I go out to Martinez and I stay there at, at uh, the family house. Uh, the the husband who had the affair, he's there. He paid, he came too to pick me at the airport. I'm like, hey, Alberto, I'm hugging him. I'm hugging the wife. I go hug the children. 
And they, Jesus dropped me into the house where all the problems were. He, Jesus loves problems because he knows there's no problems. So he has so much fun with everybody because he knows there's no problems. So I go to Martinez to stay. I'm there in Buenos Aires. I go to Martinez. I'm in the house now. And uh, the daughter comes. She's, she's older. She's living at home with her parents. And she feels guilt because she's still living with her parents. Uh, maybe that's not unusual, you know, but she, so she comes and she's, I need to learn to meditate, David, and I've, I've got a huge guilt because I, I'm still living with my parents. I'm over 30, what, 32, 33 years old. I'm still living at home and I, it's a problem. It's an impossible situation because I, I feel I need to move out and, and live an independent life, but I can't, I'm, I'm still at home. So I just prayed with her. I said, we will pray together and this impossible situation will be solved. So then her brother comes to me and says, I have a girlfriend and the family is so wealthy and, and I live in a house better than my parents and I have the easy life. And uh, I said, what's the problem? He said, it's an impossible situation. I I I have a perfect life and I don't work. And I'm I'm in my 20s. <laughs> and I said, what's the problem with that? And he says, it's terrible. I I have no job and I live in a, a house bigger than my parents with a my girlfriend and everything like that. I said, okay, we'll pray. We'll pray for your impossible situation. And then my friend, oh my my husband had an affair, and, and then I found a baptismal record and he he had he had a child with the maid and he never told me and she's telling me, oh it's impossible marriage impossible let's pray before i left there all the impossible situations were gone all of them vanished through jesus they were telling me these were impossible situations of guilt that would could never be handled and and i prayed and all three of them in the daughter she got offered to live in a house three doors down from her parents. And she would still go over there and have breakfast and lunch and dinner with them. And she got to live in her own place and spend all the time at her parents. They still were feeding her, doing all these things. And she, she smiled the biggest smile. She says, David, the impossible has happened. I have moved without moving. <laughs> I said, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. He takes away the guilt. The son, the son, he ended up getting offered a job and he ended up uh, printing A Course in Miracles <laughs> in there and totally accepting that if Jesus wanted him to share and shine the light without having a, a regular job, and I said, what's wrong? Jesus gave you a house. He gave you a girlfriend. He gave you a big house. And now he'll give you, he'll give you his jobs. You don't need to have a, a, a job to earn money to have value. You just have to let Jesus do the work. So he said, now my impossible situation is gone. And then finally, my friend, she said, on the way to drive me to the airport, she said, David, I've had a total miracle in my impossible situation. She said, 
I will divorce without divorcing. Meaning, I will go through a legal divorce, but I will love my husband and, and treat him with kindness and grace and respect, even when I go through the divorce. And so she said, it's, the impossible has been accomplished. So all three of them, I would say, you have no problem. If you spend time with your parents, how wonderful, enjoy the holy encounters. Don't feel guilty about it, love it. And if you have your own apartment that you own, that you don't want to live in, don't live in it, just visit it. But visit it in joy, <laughs> just have some fun. You can do these retreats and watch movies with us in that apartment and feel the joy and connection, then leave and go back to your family. <laughs> no guilt, no guilt. You, you start to realize that Jesus just wants us to shine the light. We're, we're not meant to carry heaviness of guilt. It's only the ego telling you you've done something wrong, you're 40 years old, you still go back to your parent. You know, it's always trying to say you're not normal. Jesus doesn't really even know what normal means. I mean, if we're all the same one and it's one dream, then what's normal and what's abnormal? You know, Jesus is not drawing a line there. He's not judging anybody. So neither should we. So I think you'll enjoy the movie tomorrow. And I'm so glad that you joined us, Martin. And we feel your love. And I'm happy that you feel our love too. And uh, everything's perfect in your life. You, you've got no problems at all. <laughs> okay, we've got to move on because we've got, is it Arilis? Fernanda. Yes, yes. Okay. Hi. Okay, I want to try to keep it short because I know we're running out of time. And basically, everybody been asking kind of the same thing that I'm kind of going through. But there is one little point that that I haven't really heard anybody saying yet uh, that I'm really struggling with right now. Um, and it's like projection. I, I think Francis, I heard you talking before when you decided to take this path, uh, how your mom was completely against it. And for you, it was hard basically leaving your mom, um, but you knew you needed to do it. And later on, you came to understand that it was just a projection of your own fears. So I, I'm going through a similar situation when, uh, where I've been in this journey um, for many years. So like, like um, meditating. Um, so, but now like, like I got into the Course of Miracle, which is helping me so much because it's really like, like founding you guys that can explain things so clearly uh, for me to be able to follow. So, but I'm going through different changes and they're just happening naturally. And, um, but I can feel in my mother that she becoming ashamed of, my, of, of me. And, and I understand it's, it's her, but at the same time, I understand this also my own projection uh, my own fear of letting go, my own shame maybe on myself right now um, for the thing that I happening. But at the same time, I'm happy and I'm completely at peace with what it is. But then I still was struggling like, like with that, like it hurt when, when I can sense my mom being ashamed. She doesn't say straight up I'm ashamed, but like she will say things. And then uh, when I would come into my brother or my sister, they will say basically, yes, 
yes, like she said that like she's a shame. Like me not having hair, me not dyeing my hair, like um not like now using makeup, not like doing all this uh, thing that I'm not really interested anymore. I used to, but not anymore. That's not my happiness anymore. So my my question was for Francis, like like is, can you tell me like yeah, like I can see my my being that she's a project on projection of my own fear in my mind, but I haven't felt it in my heart. And I, I think that's why it's still bothering me. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I I I I do hear what you're saying and I kind of um had to go through that myself as well, feeling there seem to be a lot of people attacking, saying that you're not fulfilling their um, expectations and your disappointment because of the choices that, that you know, you're making. Like for myself, when I turn on this journey that I, I definitely had some projections, but it is a journey of actually learning that the world is a projection. It's not an intellectual, um, top down, like I tell myself, because I, I don't embrace it and it is not my daily experiences. But what happened was, as I keep putting, you know, the spirit given function up front, because the spirit is giving, has given me a function, like immediately as I, I step out of my own given function, like spirit started to, oh, let's do this, travel around the world. Um, do this function like seemingly you know very specific as the time comes i was given something to do and i was just following it but what happened is as i was more trusting the spirit given function and give myself over to it the confidence grew the confidence is not like a confidence of francis is better but is what david was des describing francis and david disappear but it's, it's this confidence that the spirit is truly there with me, holding my hand every step along the way. Spirit has a function for me. And I am, you know, I, the, 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 the capacity to forgive, the capacity to choose miracles is in my hand. And as I was growing, um, keep, keep working this function, accepting this function, this confidence grow. And I started to really see all the ego projections. It doesn't matter it's coming from my own mind or, or people. It's still all the ego. It, it, it put all in one category. You know, it's called ego thoughts, which have no reality to describe who we are whatsoever. But it becomes such an experience. And that experience is, is, is certain and it doesn't need concepts or other people to validity to give validity you know it doesn't need anything because it it is truly a huge contrast experience that we're living in um on a daily basis and i believe that is also what the, what jesus is saying in the course you need a contrast experience otherwise it's like you're trying to convince yourself something that you don't have a, a, a actual experience with so in in this in this journey, I just feel like what we are trusting is this goal. This goal is is radically different. 
The goal is not in this world. The goal is, is undisturbing happiness. The goal is freedom, freedom from all this ego attack thoughts, guilt, shame, fear, everything. And then when we hold that, the, the way it's laid, laid in front of us is actually daily miracles and daily forgiveness, daily guidance. So I trust that, yeah, you will, you will find, you know, even though the projections is coming, do not be discouraged. It is truly in the mind and it's truly just the ego trying to distract you to say, yeah, you are not worthy of, of God's plan, but you are. And we're just going to keep going forward steadfast and gain this confidence. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, it's the Spirit's guidance is so practical. Jesus said, you know, the Holy Spirit's right there for you. And sometimes your willingness to listen to the Holy Spirit is not, uh, the Holy Spirit will not be louder than your willingness to listen. So the Spirit is so gentle that it just waits until we're willing and then it gives us the guidance. But, but it's always practical. You know, sometimes people are concerned that if they go on the spiritual journey, it's going to be radical and impractical and wild and crazy. But that's not been my experience ever since the Course came into my life. It's so practical. Everything is so well taken care of. Everything is so gently and, and carefully and lovingly provided if I'm willing to, to stay open. You know, if I'm willing to not use use preconceived ideas from the past, and I think in the end it, it's kind of an un, undoing of of the mother daughter role. That's where there's a bit of anxiety. As long as you're still identified as the daughter, if the mother is in that kind of symbiotic relationship, then and and she's ashamed then there's a there's a little self-doubt inside like even though you've been meditating you're very steadily on your your journey if mom seems to be ashamed then it's like okay what's it's bothering me even if it's just bothering you a little that it's still bothering you it's still there's some kind of self-concept role that you're holding on to instead of your christ nature instead of your your God-given, God-created nature. And that takes, it just, like Francis is saying, it has to be authentic. You can't uh, do an intellectual top-down approach and say, I shouldn't feel ashamed. It doesn't work. If we if we've picked that up, if we're still holding on to that somewhere in our psyche, we still have to deal with uh, the uncomfortable nature of that while we're still holding on to it. But I just want to reassure everybody, it's all it's very practical. Uh, that's why Francis and I are always talking about guidance, because it's it's so practical. It just leaves you smiling. It's so it's so very, very practical. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for saying hi and pouring out your heart and prayers. It's so beautiful. <laughs>